Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network, getting going here on a Thursday. Of course, it is April Fool's. We will try to have a little bit of fun with you later on on today's show. PK promises a special announcement with regards to DJ that we'll get to here in just a little bit. My name is Jay Catch. You guys know me as Yawk. I am the executive producer of this fine program, but filling in here in this first little bit of the 6 a.m. hour. Uh, PK will join us here shortly. A lot to get to ahead on today's show. Obviously, the Utah Jazz winning in Memphis last night without Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk about that. You'll hear from the Jazz after. After that win in the Best of the Jazz postgame show later on in this hour, we'll also talk some Utah basketball. New University of Utah men's basketball coach Craig Smith joined PK and Gordon Monson yesterday. We'll let you hear those comments. He was in the show late yesterday. You, those of you that are up early will probably want to hear his comments, his enthusiasm for the job, his ambitions of really getting Utah back to being what they were in the heyday with Rick Majerus. We'll get to those in the next segment. But let's start off with some quick thoughts here on the Utah Jazz. They make it seven straight wins with a 111-107 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies there in Memphis, Tennessee. Really impressed with Mike Conley going back home, the franchise he was a star for four for more than a decade, 26 points and seven assists, 13 points in the fourth quarter to really seal up the win for the Utah Jazz. Really liked seeing him back in action. Also good to see Jordan Clarkson break out of a little bit of a scoring funk. He did go 8 of 22 shooting, but tallied 24 points. Boyan Bogdanovich, 6 of 17 shooting for 23 points. Both guys who had struggled to score the basketball. Good to see them have an opportunity without Donovan Mitchell in the lineup to score a little bit more. Rudy Gobert, a little bit quieter of a night, though. 8 points, 12 rebounds. Also had 4 assists, though. A notable number there for Rudy Gobert. But overall, just is a fantastic win for the Utah Jazz. They've won seven straight here. They maintain their position atop the Western Conference standings at 36 and 11. I think they have a really, really good road record this year at 16 and 9. If you're seven games over 500 on the road, you're doing something right in the NBA. Uh, many of you probably can harken back to eras when the Utah Jazz were 500 at the very best in a good season on the road, and now they're f- seven games over 500 on the road this season so far. Just a great, great win if you're a Utah Jazz fan. We'll talk more about this throughout the morning. We're going to be joined by Joe Ingles, or scheduled to be joined by Joe Ingles later on this morning, as well as Craig Bolerjack in their weekly appearances here on The Zone. We'll get to all of that here in just a little bit. But coming up next, going to talk University of Utah. Utah men's basketball. Craig Smith, like I mentioned, joined PK and Gordon Monson late in yesterday's show. We'll let you hear his comments about his new role as the running Utes head man. We'll get to that here momentarily on DJ and PK in the morning right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here. I'm Jay Catch, the executive producer of this fine program, carrying you on through the 6 a.m. hour. PK will join us here shortly. But PK had a chance yesterday alongside Gordon Monson, who was co-hosting yesterday's show, to talk with Craig Smith, the new men's basketball coach at the University of Utah. Had some great thoughts on what he expects to do as the new head man in charge of the running Utes. Without further ado, here you go. Craig Smith with PK and Gordon Monson yesterday right here on the Zone Sports Network. Craig, uh, you're back with us. You're talking a couple OGs. I mean, we've been in this market since the early 90s. I used to work for the Tribune, and my first assignment was University of Men, University of Utah men's basketball. So I was there on a day-to-day basis in the 90s. And you talk about, I listened to your uh, press conference on Saturday. That thing was packed, and it was a place to be. Majors had it going on. The it just in, in my mind, I, I don't think it's going to take much. It's going to take work, but I believe that there is a fan base there that will flock to the program, not if, but when you start winning. How much of that did you know as far as the history and was enticing to you as one of the reasons you took the job? Oh, it's a huge reason. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history guy. I, I pay a lot of attention to tradition. And, and, you know, coming up through the ranks, I've worked, uh, I've worked at places where there's not much tradition and, and the fan base can be, you know, apathetic. And then I've, I've worked at a few places where there's a rich tradition and, and the fan base is just craving a winner. And it's my job as the head coach to go out and create a brand of basketball that is exciting Right, it's uh, that has high level players, um, and 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 good quality. Right, meaning you know playing a Gata style where we're going to play super hard, be the first on the floor, right, make all the tough guy plays, but yet have efficient offense and fluid offense and a style and a brand that's enjoyable to watch. The last five years that I've been a head coach, we've been in the top twenty in assists in the country including last year at Utah State, where we were in number nine. And so uh, I think, you know, this state, right, our fan base is incredibly knowledgeable. They understand great basketball, and it's been proven time and time again. And when I was a young coach, I think I was 24, 25, I was at my second Final Four, uh, went to my first national championship game. Well, guess who that was? Utah against Kentucky. And I just, I was, of course, I was a young coach. I had nosebleed seats, uh, but I was happy to be there. And after the game, the side I was sitting on is the side that the University of Utah walked off the floor. And, of course, everybody was dejected. But it just hit me. Like, this is how you build a team, right? The way they had that team built. And, of course, they had great coaching with Coach Majerus. But I know that really good players make coaches look really, really smart. And, and it was a defining moment in my life. And I said, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I worked at every level. Um, quite a few years ago, I coached in the NAI National Championship game. And, um, and now we want to experience that at this level and get youth basketball where, back where it belongs. Craig, one thing that you said at your opening press conference there that really stood out to me was when you were asked about the strengthening the schedule. And obviously the Utes play in the Pac-12, and that's all good. 
but you seem to be enthusiastic about adding quality opponents from start to finish, or I don't know, every game, but a, a lot of games that way. And it reminded me of what Denny Crum used to do at Louisville back, way back in the day when he used to play all kinds of tough teams, and his team might lose early on, but he thought it helped prepare them for the postseason. Is that is that kind of what's he, in your head? Yeah, Uh I'm a huge believer in bring on the competition. Like, I, I just firmly believe to be the best, you got to play the best and beat the best. And when you play high-level competition and non-conference play, like, you get a taste of what league play is going to be like. You get a true taste of what your team is, right, and how we can grow and develop and get better. And so, and then, and then the NCAA tournament committee has made it very, very clear. Right, what you need to do, and so I like to tell a story. Our first year, you know, when we first got hired at Utah State, we were projected to be number nine in the conference, and we had a mass exodus of players. I mean, Kobe McEwen left; he was a second-team All-League guy. We had, we had, I don't know, five, six guys leave, and that was what three, four years ago, where still people left, but not maybe as prevalent as it is this year. And so, but I didn't care. So we were playing in an MTE in Las Vegas. Arizona State was in it, Mississippi State, St. Mary's, and Utah State. We were kind of the, <laughs> that other team, right, where people thought, well, at least we'll get one win. And the tournament organizers said, hey, we got a lower-level tournament we can put you in. I said, no, like we want to play the best. And, and we stayed in it, and we, you know, we lost a tight game in Arizona State. We beat St. Mary's handily. So I think it's so important to get your net ranking where it needs to be, to get your strength and schedule where it needs to be. In our last three years at Utah State, our lowest net ranking in those three years was 42. And so uh, we value that, we crave that, and that will be something we bring to the University of Utah. Greg Smith joining us, new hoops coach at Utah. So uh, in conversations that I've had with folks uh, as far as what was leading up to the situation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but it seemed like uh, there was some indication uh, earlier on Friday that it wasn't going to be uh, a marriage between you and the Utes. And then later on in the, into the evening, obviously you ended up taking the job. I don't know how much you want to disclose, but what was uh, the differences? What were they going on? Going, what was going on there that maybe some people had the impression earlier in the day you weren't going to take the job, and then obviously you end up taking it? Uh, well, I'm not sure, I guess, in terms of impressions or anything like that. Obviously things happen quick, and – and I'm here, and, and it's a, it's a life comes at you fast. That's that's yeah. for sure. And so, um, it, you know, just going through that whole thing, uh, and getting to know Mark, and and doing my research, you know, Mark just like they do research on their potential candidates. I just his vision for running youth basketball really aligned with what I believe uh, it takes to to run a successful program in every way, shape, and form, whether it's recruiting, your style, uh, connectivity to the community, and, and the players that have led the way, and the, and the former coaches. And so, and I could go on and on, but uh, it just, uh, our visions are aligned. Uh, and, and, of course, we're doing our best to build a team for this year to be competitive, but also build a program for the long haul. And, um, you know, it's been a whirlwind over the last, what, 72 hours, or I guess maybe a little bit more than that now. And, uh, and it's been fast and furious with 
with the transfer portal, recruiting guys, obviously trying to build a staff, and, and doing whatever I can to promote um, this unbelievable program. You mentioned, Craig, the transfer portal there. Larry had difficulty, and maybe a lot of coaches have difficulty these days, keeping players in the program. Uh, some of the players who are, have indicated maybe they'll leave Utah, maybe they'll stay, uncertain at this point. One, are you going to have a good shot at keeping some of those players in the program? And secondly, uh, what's your philosophy about that? Uh, what can be done to, to, to keep the major players that you're looking for over the next number of years? Yeah, I mean, you know, the transfer portal is, you know, transferring is uh, a part of our game now, right? Whether it's football, basketball, um, and it has been for the last, I don't know, three to five years. You know, the last few years, you know, I think last year around a 1,000 um, student-athletes went in the portal, which if you equate that out, that's roughly on average three men's basketball players transfer out of their program per year. That's just the average. And so it's a big part of the game. And, you know, us philosophically, you know, well, going back, first of all, we've been very fortunate at Utah State and at University of South Dakota not to have too many um, guys leave our program. Uh, And I think that's an indication of how we do things. I think it's an indication of building trust, having a plan in place to when we bring these guys in to, to grow their game, how they're going to fit into our program, you know, looking at our depth chart closely. I'm not big into recruiting guys and selling them sunshine, right? I want them to know exactly what they're getting into from a culture standpoint, from a, a community standpoint. Like, you know, not everybody's going to thrive in Salt Lake City, but some people are going to have tremendous growth in development in Salt Lake City and in our program. So beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So I think having great relationships with your players, having a plan, holding them accountable, and then utilizing the portal in the right way in terms of recruiting, right? It's almost like, in a weird way, it's kind of like NBA free agency, right? Like, oh, we got a need right here. We need to get more experience, more of a veteran guy than maybe a high school kid can do. So we've had success all the way around. Predominantly, we recruit high school kids, but we've had very good success with transfers and with a few junior college kids too. So you just got to look under rocks, find the right people, and then utilize that um, to our program's advantage that way. You know, this year it's hard. It's hard for those players from last year's team that are in the program. They don't know me, right? They don't know any of our staff that will hire. Well, they could, I guess, but you never know. Um, and so it's hard. You got to build a lot of trust in a short amount of time. And, but we've been down this road before. So almost three years ago to the day, uh, you know, got hired at Utah State, and all these guys are looking at me because I'm, you know, I like to talk and I'm kind of boisterous and like this guy's crazy. But you sit down with them, and like I said, a few leave. A guy like Sam Merrill, who was recruited by Duke and you name it, said, I am staying, and we are going to build this thing and we we're going to get Aggie basketball back where it belongs. And fortunately us, we had three amazing years. For sure you did. There's no question about that. Your record speaks for itself. Craig Smith, new Utah basketball coach, joining us. You speak of your staff. I don't know what you're able to say right now. There's been a couple of reports of Slocum coming back, Peterson coming with you. You've got two guys 
on the who are on Larry's staff who have sons on the team, Martinez and Jones. Uh, I would think there would be a possibility of those guys leaving if you did not retain them. What can you say about all that situation? Well, I can't comment specifically yet, um, but you guys do your homework. And so, uh, you know, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to build our staff. Obviously, you know, we're going to do this thing right. And we're looking for coaches that are, are very well-rounded. they got to be able to recruit. Recruiting is your lifeline. We all know that. I alluded to it earlier. You know, really good players make coaches look really smart. And we have a, a tremendous job as a coach to put players in the right place, to help them grow their game and teach and develop and do all that. Uh, but those guys are out there making the plays, right? They're the ones making the threes. They're the ones that have to box out. They're the ones that have to sprint the floor. They're the ones that have to communicate while they're on the floor. And so you better find the right guys. You know, we look for guys that have character, toughness, guys that know how to play, guys that are gym rats. And I could go on and on, but the, the coaches, you know, we're going to find guys that have strengths recruiting in various parts of the country. we got to have a great presence on the West Coast. Obviously, we have to have a great presence in Utah and, and get the best players in the state. And so, uh, and then I want guys that can really coach and have high energy and have great character and take the role personally on helping young men, 18-year-old men, develop into men when they leave this program and you know we're not going to settle for second best and we're going to go out in quality high high character um, coaches to come in here because this place is literally incredible the resources that we have and the things that we can so quote unquote showcase you know there's nothing we don't have so now we just got to go to work and get the guys in the program that want to make it happen you know so we're slowly building this thing with our coaching staff. Um, um, but I feel a lot more, you know, I think by the end of next week, we'll have a lot more pieces in place. Okay. So, Craig, uh, a two-part question for you. The first one is you've already covered a lot of this, but if you were going to circle the number one priority for you at Utah to make that program successful, what would it be? Because you've you've had success everywhere you've gone, and some of these places you've been, no offense to you, but a lot of people haven't heard of some of those places, and yet you've been <laughs> able to, to climb through this thing. So what is the number one thing you want at Utah? And my second Part of the question is, how in the world did you put up with Scotty Gerard up there at Utah State for three years? <laughs> well, with Scotty, such a pain in the you-know-what. He sent me such a that, – like we had a great connection from the get-go. It might have been our haircut that we just kind of <laughs> – like, yeah, I'm challenged, you're challenged. Uh, let, let's bond. And uh, we had so much fun together on our weekly radio show and, you know, of course, the pregame shows and – uh, and in the post-game shows, we really had fun, especially when we, when we won. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been a, a wild, what, four days, five days. This is day five. Um, and last night, I, I finally, I just, and I've been thinking about this, but I just haven't been able to put some things into words, you know, to thank the Aggie community and our time at Utah State. And there's just a bunch of memories that come back. And one of the memories that came flooding back to me was my time with Scotty. Like, I literally look forward to that radio show every Monday. And I love one of my favorite things, and I can't tell you the number of emails uh, that I've had, especially since I've left. Uh, they're not all negative, but uh, where I'm, I'm going to miss the post-game radio shows. 
uh, on their drive home. And like, I, I literally couldn't wait to do those. And fortunately, won a lot of games, so it made it a lot more enjoyable. You know, I don't know if I can pinpoint one. I mean, in the, in the immediate, like, I, obviously, we have to get our staff together, but we have to build great relationships with our current players. And re- relationships don't happen just by snapping your finger. Um, it's hard. You're, 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 you're showing them or trying to explain to them what we've always done, and they're kind of looking at you like, why should I believe you? And I get what they're saying because I've been down this road everywhere I've been, uh, taking over a program that has struggled a little bit under 500, sometimes well below 500, and, and flip it around. So um, uh, recruiting is obviously just humongous uh, in the short term and in the long term, and not just recruiting talent. You just you got to get the right guys. You know the movie Miracle with Herb Brooks, right? And, and Herb Brooks says to Craig, the assistant, we're not looking for the best ones. We're looking for the right ones. And, and it's a fine line. In building your team, we have a formula for building our team and what we look for. And we got some work to do in that area. And then lastly, and this certainly is at least, I view this as one of my the top priorities, is to generate enthusiasm, show our fan base what we're going to do. We have such knowledgeable fans that our fans will appreciate playing the game the right way, playing unselfish, playing together, having connectivity with the community, and get people excited to support it. And, and when you have a great home court advantage, that directly impacts winning. And I know we're going to build that up and make this place an incredibly difficult place to play. So, Craig, I don't know if this happened. You can answer this. Riley Batten decided he was going to come back after putting his name in the portal. So I want to know, did you, have, did you already re-recruit him? And what do you think about Allen? Because if you want to be successful next season, obviously getting Allen back in the program uh, would go a long way to, towards that. I mean, are you, how are you re-recruiting him? And if, did you re-recruit already Batten? Well, you're, you know, that's a great question, and, and certainly have met with, with uh, every, almost every player. i got, like, two guys left today. Um, but I had great talks with a lot of guys, and, you know, and you just sell your vision, so to speak. But, you know, that's, I think, a big part of retaining, of retention and having that plan. And you're always recruiting the guys in your program. And, you know, I always say you're always recruiting, but that's, that's relationships and communication. And this is what you got to do to get on the floor. And these are the things you got to do. So, yeah, uh, I mean, had a great meeting with Riley yesterday. And, and uh, he was on the practice floor, and, and he looked really, really good. I mean, tremendous energy, shot it really well, has a great voice and a big motor. And does he got to get better? Yeah, but he knows that. And, you know, with the rest of the guys, you're just you're communicating your vision, what you need to do. But the bottom line is, guys, if guys don't want to be here, and they're not bought in to what running youth basketball is, if they're not bought in to how we're going to do things and play, then, then we wish them the best of luck elsewhere because we have so many great things going on here, and we're not going to settle for second best. You know? So, you know, it's like, uh, right, try, you build trust. Trust is like pregnancy. Either you're pregnant or you're not. You either trust somebody or you don't. Right? There's no, you know, there's no in between that way. So, we're, we're, we're working hard that way, trying to show our vision of what we do. I thought it was great to be back on the floor, getting to see what these guys can do on the floor and start somewhat implementing, you know, what we like to do. So we're big into skill development 
and it was nice to see some of the things that we could do at this point. Craig, you said you don't want to settle for second best. The Utes have never won the Pac-12 title. Obviously, you want to win. I get that. But is that your expectation, to to go to a place that the Utes haven't gone over the past decade? Absolutely. Our goal every year is to get get to the – well, and they've been to the NCAA tournament, uh, had a sweet 16 run, you know, uh, did that whole deal. And and that's our goal every year. We said the same thing at Utah State, said the same thing at South Dakota, said the same thing at Mayville. You know, Mayville took over a program, and most people have never heard of Mayville, uh, and I understand that. But they had won one game. In our first year, we get to – the year before we got hired, they won one game. Our first year goes to the national tournament. Second year, win 27 games, go to the lead eight. Third year, play in the national championship. South Dakota, year three, um, win the regular season championship. Year four, uh, win 26 games, which is the most in the history of South Dakota in Division One. Second most in, in the history of the school. And then Utah State, you know, first year, project the ninth. We win the regular season title, win the conference tournament championship, go to the NCAA tournament, finish the regular season 25th in the country. And then we go to three straight NCAA tournaments. And you know what? It's always a joke when you talk about it until you do it. And I don't know what the future holds, but I know what our standards are, and I know what our expectations are. And is it going to take a lot of work? You're dang right it is. Is it going to take a major commitment to make this happen from our administrators, administration, our coaching staff, and our players? Yeah, but that's why we're here. And I've never understood the logic of, you know, not doing everything you can to be the best. And I've never understood the, the, the logic of not putting high expectations on yourself. Because, you know what, it's a funny thing in life. Uh, when you do that, often that when you don't accept anything but the best, very often, that's what you get. I think Before that I let you go. Did you write that down? Yeah, that was, that was, that was deep. There's no question. I, I can remember when Utah was in the first conference tournament. I'm down in Vegas. First conference tournament in the Pac-12, I should say. I was there for since '93 with the uh, in the Mountain West and WAC. But the first tournament in the Pac-12. Obviously, uh, Larry had a massive rebuilding job. And that first year, I'm yeah, in the MGM, did. I'm in the media room, and I'm talking to Pac-12 people, and they tell me, yeah, we're very much worried about Utah because we know they're going to come back because they have an incredible fan base. This fan base is incredible. I saw it firsthand traveling with them on the road all those years. The Final Four, I was there in the Alamo Dome, also at San Antonio. I know of what you speak. So the fan base, they want to love this program. Just as recently as yesterday, two guys I ran into in their 70s, and they wanted to talk to me about Utah basketball. So they want to come back. As far as you, winning will bring them back, but you can't win until uh, next fall at the earliest, obviously. What are you going to do in the meantime to get that fan base back into that Huntsman Center? Because I know and you know that they're there. Well, I'm going to do everything. Uh, me personally, I'm going to do everything I can in terms of you know, interviews, getting myself to service clubs, and meet, just touch the senses of as many people as I can and get them excited, right? And and, and show our passion and our energy. Uh, and I'll do the same with our coaching staff. And obviously, I want our our uh, players out in the community as much as possible. It's a tougher time now in that respect with COVID and all that that entails. And of course now we're heading in the summer. So it's harder for our, for our student athletes that way. But, you know, like we told our guys when we got hired at Utah state and I told our guys on Saturday when, when I met with the team, like winning is important to create excitement. No question. We all know that. 
Uh, but I also think that because of the knowledge of our fan base and our passion of our fan base, they understand quality basketball. Like they understand an exciting brand and they'll always respect you if you play the right way, if you play unselfish, if you share the ball, if you move without the ball, you know, if you don't just catch and dribble 15 times before you go make the play, and then if you're going to guard hard and play discipline and play with enthusiasm, passion, and joy. And if you do that, I know our fan base will back them and support them, and, 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 then, and that helps the winning piece. So we already know we got to win that way, but we're going to do everything we can, work our hands to the bone to get out and create enthusiasm and excitement and bring this thing back. And that's what was cool at Utah State. Like our first game, we probably had 5,000 fans. And then the next game we had a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more, and it just kept building every night out. And, and then the other piece with that, guys, is scheduling. When you schedule good teams, when you schedule good competition, and you bring those teams right to our place, like that creates excitement. When you schedule the Utah, you know, the other, what, seven Division One schools in Utah, I'm a big believer in playing those games. Now, obviously, you can't play everybody every year, but playing those teams, I think, matters. And it brings the state together, and it just creates that banter and dialogue back and forth. And um, so it's a bit all-encompassing from that respect. Someone was telling us, Craig, that you get you get uh, a bonus if you, uh, depending upon what the attendance is at games. Uh, that's what we were told. Uh, and uh, is that true? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I honestly, I know you're probably thinking like, "There's no way you don't know." I literally, guys, have no idea. I haven't even. I talked to my agent and did that whole thing. They sent the email. I signed it. I didn't even look at it. I trust my agent. I coach because I love to coach. <laughs> now, it's easy for me to say. I'm, I know I'm getting paid well. I'm never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> that I, could I imagine that? I coach. I'm the guy that coached for $1,000 a year. I, I grew up with no money, right? I mean, we were, <laughs> we were Pell Grant kids and food stamps, like, you know, all that stuff. So I've, ne- I've, ne- I've always believed money's never made a man rich. And I don't look at bonuses. I don't know what my dental, dental insurance is or any of that stuff. I love to coach. I'm so pumped to be here. And I will find that out, though, because that would be kind of cool. But I, <laughs> I, I actually have no idea. I literally have no idea. I don't, um, and, and my agent <laughs> represents some other guys. I haven't watched it. We lost to Texas Tech, and I'm a sore loser now. And I haven't watched one NCAA tournament game since, since we lost to Texas Tech because I'm still a little PO'd uh, yeah. about that. Now, I might watch some of the Final Four games. Um, but we'll see what happens. So I'll find that out for you guys and let you know. <laughs> I bet your wife knows. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you might be right about that, but I have no idea. I haven't shown – I got the email with the finalized contract, but I, I, I just haven't looked at it. I'm not sure if she knows, actually. Okay. Well, Coach, we wish you nothing but the best of success in resurrecting that program, and thanks for coming on this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. Go Utes!
There you go, Craig Smith, University of Utah men's basketball coach. Thank him for taking the time. Excited to see how he does leading the running Utes moving forward. We'll get back to the Jazz here in just a moment. Best of the Jazz postgame show, Jake Scott putting a bow on the win for the Utah Jazz over the Memphis Grizzlies. The third time they've beaten the Grizzlies in the past four games. Pretty impressive to beat a team three times in that short of a span. We'll have Jake and the crew wrap it up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. It is time to get to the best of the jazz postgame show, a staple here on DJ and PK in the early mornings after jazz games. Jake Scott wrapping it up, letting you hear from players and coaches after the jazz beat the Memphis Grizzlies 111 to 107. Take it away, Jake. It's your jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz beat the Grizzlies last night 111-107 without Donovan. Mitchell, who was unavailable due to personal reasons. Uh, Mike Conley led the way, playing against his former team, 26.7 assists, four rebounds uh, for Mike, hit some big ones in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had 24 coming in off the bench. Bogdanovich with 23 as uh, the Jazz uh, get some guys step up production in absence uh, of their best offensive player. Of course, uh, two days ago now, uh, as the Jazz were flying out to Memphis, uh, there was was uh, an issue with their plane. Their plane ran into a flock of birds. Uh, there was uh, an explosion, and uh, you'll hear a lot of this described in the postgame sound coming up. Uh, the Jazz, uh, in one of the engines, the Jazz plane then uh, was forced to return back to Salt Lake International Airport, and uh, they landed safely. The players and coaches went home briefly and came back to fly out uh, later that evening. And uh, it really was a, a theme throughout the night. You heard Quinn Snyder talking about it before the game in his pregame meeting availability in the Quinn Snyder Coaches Show as well, and uh, was on top of everybody's mind in the postgame. So you hear a lot of discussion about that, but uh, the Jazz did win. They did beat the Grizzlies 111-107. For the Grizz, uh, John Morant uh, had 36 on 11 of 18 shooting. He was incredibly efficient at the line as well, 12 of 15, but not enough. Jazz come away with the win, their seventh consecutive victory. Let's get to that postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Coach. Uh, a tough 24 hours, and then you're trying to beat a team three times in a row without Donovan. What impressed you most about how you guys were able to get the win tonight? Well, I think, you know, our whole group showed a lot of grit. Um, you know, Mike Conley was was terrific um, controlling the game and finding people. And, you know, they were real aggressive defensively and he was able to get in the paint. And, you know, Boyan also really settled us, particularly playing out of the post and making some shots. But, you know, in the end, um, you know, we got a couple stops when we needed to. And we were able to play through, I, I think, play through adversity, whether um, whatever f- shape or form, you know, it took. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. 
Quinn, your team's giving up uh, not very many points. Does it feel like good defensive performances or, or what are you seeing? Well, you know, I, you always, you know, I guess part of being a coach is you, you always want more. Um, but I think we're competing and, you know, there's going to be breakdowns and we're going to talk about them. Um, you know, guys are going to work to improve. But, you know, again, the, the two things for us that, that are most important on every possession, you know, is being able to get back. I thought, you know, there were a few times, you know, Morant's he's fast and, you know, it's, it's tough to get back at times, but you have to go to the next play. When, when we were missing shots for a while there, um, that makes it harder on our defense. Um, I thought we took care of the ball pretty well under the circumstances. And then in the end, you know, being able to rebound is, is, is crucial for us. So I know we take a lot of pride in our defense. And, you know, as long as guys just work at it and, and play it collectively, that's, that's what we need. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Mike's played down the stretch, obviously, kind of without Donovan. Uh, he had to step up and then kind of play that key playmaking role. Um, he's That's something he's been comfortable with, and especially in Memphis. But, you know, how, did you have a conversation with him about playing that role tonight, or is it just something he knew he, he you know, had to do? He, you know, I, I think, Andy, that's one of the things about our team that's a real strength is that um, – you know, we're able to, to play through multiple guys, particularly um, Donovan and Mike. And one of them can handle, the other one can um, be off the ball and, and vice versa. And, you know, tonight, obviously, you know, Mike, Mike did a heck of a job handling the ball. And I also thought, you know, we played through Boyan late. And, you know, he was terrific on the post. And, you know, unselfish, kicking it out. Uh, but, it, you know, Mike controlled the game, particularly down the stretch. And, you know, the guys on the floor knew that. And, you know, he's capable of doing that, as is Donovan. And uh, it's great to have both those guys, you know, be able to play off each other. I think that's something both of them really enjoy. All right. Last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. He was at I know you talk all the time about, you know, having multiple options, having, you know, Don in particular likes to talk about how having this many guys who can score makes it difficult for opposing defenses to know where it's coming from. But is it kind of gratifying, I guess, in that respect to see, you know, a night like tonight where Mike carries the load for a time, Boyan carries it for a time, JC even for a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that you can step up in a game where you don't have Don available. Well, we've, we've been, you know, down guys at various points this year. And, and that's, you know, that's teams, our, our team takes pride in that. I think um, they take pride in their balance and really making the right play. And, you know, when, when you're unselfish, the biggest thing for us is, you know, if everybody's spaced and we make quick decisions and are, and are willing to move the ball, you know, we've got a number of guys that can do just what you said and, and really impact the game in a significant way on the offensive end. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as uh, his team beat the Grizzlies 111 to 107. Let's now hear from some of the players. Let's start things off with Mike Conley. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. All right. Hey, Mike, before we get to the, the game, I wanted to kind of get your perspective on what happened on yesterday's flight and uh, how the last 24 hours have been. Um, hey, what happened on yesterday's flight for a good, for a good 10, 15 minutes, I think all of us on that flight were questioning if we were going to, you know, be here today, you know, so that was, that's how serious it was for us. And, um, you know, 
can't speak for everybody, but I know that, you know, guys were text trying to text family and, you know, just, uh, just in case, you know, it was that kind of situation. And we're, we're just thrilled and thankful for the pilots and the staff and what they were able to do to get us back home safely. And um, I think a lot of us were shook up, obviously, you know, you don't just go, you know, go through something like that and get back on a plane and had to go, you know, play a game again. So put, put perspective on life for all of us. And like I said, we're just all thankful to be here and um, doing what we love to do. Next, we'll go Tony Jones, The Athletic. Um, you know, kind of piggybacking off, off of Sarah's question, you know, how good a win is this for you guys, uh, for you to come in and, and play like this under those kind of adverse circumstances? I know you got into Memphis really late and, you know, and, and beating a team three times in a week can't be easy. Well, I think it just, it's, it's a great win. It says a lot about, you know, our character, our resiliency as a team. Um, obviously without Donovan as well, we knew we were going to, you know, it was going to be a tough night for us against a, a young team that competes and plays, you know, as hard as any team in the league. And you don't beat a team three times in, in a, you know, in a matter of a week uh, very often. So uh, for us to come out, you know, given the circumstances, you know, we didn't make any excuses. We just went out there and played our ball and, um, and, and competed uh, as best we could. And, and luckily we were able to get the win. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, you told the broadcast that maybe more, it felt like it was maybe even a bigger deal than what's been reported in the, the plane or the plane incident. Um, kind of what happened, can you kind of tell us what happened in those minutes that you describe and kind of, you know, why, why you guys were as nervous as you were? Because, you know, it, it, we saw the photos, what happened to the plane, and it, it is pretty crazy. Well, yeah, uh, well, for the group of us, you know, I think it was me, JC, uh, Joe, and Mie favors like we're all kind of right there in between both wings of the plane and uh and all of a sudden it felt like there was an explosion uh like literally that's what it sounded like for most people on the plane like something like we hit something big and the plane immediately started to bounce and then just started tilting to the left and people in the back of the plane said they saw flames and you know people in the front obviously didn't know what was going on and like immediately like altitude started to drop a little bit and and we started like like looking down and like wondering what what just happened and like nobody knows everybody's just quiet you know we're just in shock and and it took uh you know the pilots you know probably five to ten minutes probably about ten minutes to go through everything and get you know go through their checks and kind of get back to us and let us know what was going on because it was obvious that uh, something was really wrong with the plane. It felt like the plane was like breaking apart in midair. So for us, we, you know, for, like I said, for five, 10 minutes, you know, it felt like just, just complete helplessness. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're thankful it wasn't as, as serious as, as it, it, it could have been, um, but it was, it was scary. There's Mike Conley uh, describing his, uh, you know, his situation uh, on the plane and on the trip out there. It's really all they uh, were, were able to, uh, they really all they discussed, and Mike had a great, great game. I uh, hope that doesn't get lost in all the all the the talk about what happened on the way out to the game. He had twenty six points, seven assists. Let's now hear from Jordan Clarkson. Hey, Jordan, good to see you. We'll get started with Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Jordan, after everything that happened uh, yesterday with the plane, is it good to be back at work? Is that kind of your mindset, or do you felt did you feel like you could have liked some more time off? Uh. <laughs> Um, 
I mean, I kind of just wanted to get on another flight immediately trying to get over there, like scare. Like, I don't, I don't know what was reported yesterday in terms of like, uh, it was just like a little emergency landing or something like that. But I feel like a lot of people on that plane, uh, it was like one of those flights where you were sending out texts. I know you've seen on the movies when a plane about to crash or something. It was, it, it got to that point where we was all on the plane, like, yo, this might be really the end. Um, so, I mean, it was a, a crazy situation. Um, I understand fully why, uh, you know, Don didn't uh, come because, I mean, all of us were just like kind of like out of there and then in like limbo, like, whoa, what what just happened? It's just like real life. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, you kind of got to, you know, push through and, um, get over it, but it's just uh, that's just a tough situation. I mean, I don't think that's happened many times uh, on a plane ride. I've talked to uh, many of my friends that are in the league, and they said uh, like that that's the biggest fear. <laughs> and for that to happen, um, you know, I, I understand uh, everybody's uh, point and you know perspective on that thing as well. So. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. You know, you take your time off, everybody. So, uh, you know, you just got to figure out a way to uh, push through that and uh, keep going. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Jordan, can you kind of recall some of the details of, of what you remember happening, you know, as this as this occurred and just kind of, you know, what the emotions were as as the situation was unfolding? You know, so many guys have been talking about how, you know, it was so sudden and and you know, uh, how you're, there was confusion and, and it took a while for the crew to kind of just figure out what was going on. So what, what was going through your mind during that time? Um, so where I sit on the plane is where I could see, uh, you know, the engine and everything. Uh, I happened to be being a bad kid and uh, kind of getting up and grabbing something out of my bag while we was taking off. Um, and, you know, I just remember walking back to my seat and as I got to my seat, I just hear a loud bang. And me and Mike looked at each other and he was like, oh, those, that was, those are the birds. I guess Mike seen the birds passing through the window and then seen it as it was happening. So all I heard was a bang. And then I turn and look out the window and see the whole like engine shaking and everything. And then you see everybody in the back kind of like, you know, reacting to what's going on. And, you know, a lot of the people in the back that were sitting like, you know, behind the engine and stuff like that, they seen a burst of flames. So immediately they, they're probably thinking like the plane is fully caught on fire. And I see everybody kind of reacting towards that. Um, and then rec just recalling that whole situation was pretty crazy. The whole plane just started shaking. It was just, uh, it's definitely uh, something that, you know, experience. <laughs> that I'm happy that, you know, we, we able to tell because um, like I said, a lot of us really, uh, you know, came to like a, a point, at least 30 seconds in that flight, everybody came to the point where it was like, man, this might be, this might be over for us. And, um, you know, it's sad to say that. And, and, you know, I don't play with death or any, anything like that. Um, and, uh, it's just something that, you know, we got to push through and come together and, uh, you know, keep going, uh, stay strong, support each other, whatever, how, how much time we got to take off or whatever, you know, talking to 
you know, our mental health people or whatever it is, uh, you know, this is, that's a serious situation. Uh, if you've never been faced with, um, you know, life and death, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, respect to everybody that's, uh, you know, gone, gone through this situation on, on this plane. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, we were told that, you know, there was that five to 10 minutes before the crew was able to, the pilots or the crew were able to tell you guys anything. Once they, once they did tell you something, what were they able to say to you? And then did that kind of calm you guys? Like, okay, we're going to be able to make it back to the ground. Yeah, that was probably the most uh, common part. You know, the flight attendants were, uh, flight attendant and uh, pilots were very calm when they got on the intercom, uh, basically telling us what happened. Uh, saying we lost the engine, um, and, you know we gonna we gonna be able to land somewhere, and uh, well, they were saying they was gonna turn around, turn the play around. So um, that definitely was a, a comforting thing. But we were all looking out the window like, man, just land this, <laughs> just land anywhere. We don't care. We can check everything else later. Once we get on the ground, just please just put this plane on the ground and just let us let us live and and get get past this. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a common. Uh, common kind of thing once the pilot got on there he was super calm and uh, you know let us know what's going on and uh, you know we got down to the ground uh, shout out to them for you know landing is getting it back safe and uh, all that there's Jordan Clarkson describing his experience uh, on the plane as the Jazz were forced to come back and then uh, eventually fly out, make it to Memphis, and come away with a win. And given the circumstances, really big win uh, for the Utah Jazz. No Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, a traumatic experience on the way out there. Still were able to focus and come away with a win over a good team. Uh, 111-107 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Coming up next, more DJ and PK right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. As Jake just mentioned, coming up next, more from DJ and PK. We'll get to what's trending. PK will join us. We'll recap everything that happened in sports yesterday and throughout last night. And, of course, throughout the rest of the morning, we'll have plenty of talk about the Utah Jazz. Joe Ingles scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Craig Bullerjack in the 9 o'clock hour. So plenty more. So stay with us. What is trending? Coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Picked up by Niang. Outlet to Oni. Leaves it behind for Clarkson. Feet set. Ball wet. Splash. Transition three. Bogdanovich looking over the scene. Skip past to O'Neal. Rotates the corner. Clarkson left corner. Got it. Push ahead to Conley. To the corner. Bogdanovich. Come on, Bogey. Got it. Now a Gobert pick. They work the pick and roll. Low left-hand dribble. In the pocket. Step back jumper. Mike Conley. Yes, you can. Hear me roar. <laughs> Locke, so emotional with these Jazz games, man. He's a big-time fan, that's for sure. The Jazz, they go into Memphis and win a nail-biter. Oh, is it? No, it's a knuckle-biter. I mean, it's that knuckle deep. Knuckle-biter. Knuckle-biter. Was it a knuckle? Was it that deep? Mm, they had some tense moments there down the stretch. Oh, man, I know. I was on the edge of my seat. They got that thing. I thought they were in control. I thought they were going to have it, and they did get it. They're the better team. The thing that I liked is that they had uh, Mitchell not playing, 
And Bogdanovich stepped up. That's good. Good news for him. He didn't necessarily shoot the ball that well, but he shot it well from three, five of 12. So and that's what they're after. So good for them. They get the win. Uh, move to 36 and 11. 25 games to go, right? If my math is correct. Correct. That's a nice uh, even number to understand. 25. I Eh, sort of in the home stretch, I guess. That's still a fair amount of games. A lot of things can happen, though. Uh, but you got to like where they're at, and they come home now. We got the Bulls on what uh, tomorrow, right? Friday night. Yep, uh, tomorrow night. The schedule, yeah. It's, yeah, it's still got a, a whole bunch of home games coming up. Yeah, you got the, Chicago uh, Friday, Orlando Saturday. Yeah, I mean those are two uh, crummy teams. They, they handled the Bulls last week, and uh, Orlando. Now that we're in April, I guess uh, last month. So. Uh, no reason why they don't push the streak out to seven, why they don't push it out to nine. We'll just go with the rest of the week here. Uh, they're playing better, that's for sure. And not playing great teams, but they're winning, and good for them. So that's the Jazz. They get that win. We'll have more on that, obviously, coming up at 7.30. Got a little thing we got to tell you about, too, at that time. So stay with us right here at 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Robinson goes baseline. Robinson, oh, he got right around Turner like he was a lamppost. Covington holds the ball at the top of the key, gives it to Nurkic. Now for Dame, who's cutting, and he puts in the reverse layup for two. And Dwayne Casey wants timeout. Luka to his right, behind his back left, stepping back, 30-footer, good! Oh, goodness, what a shot that was! Middleton lob, Giannis caught it, slam it, deuces to Giannis, Bucks by 12. Booker on the drive, Booker to the rim, score it, Devin Booker, and he has 45 on the night. My understanding all along was that I was going to get a buyout, and uh, if I was going to be traded, it was going to be to a team in the Northeast uh, where I was closer to home and I'd be able to see my family for the last, you know, two or three months of the season. Obviously, that didn't happen. J.J. Redick, that's him there, criticizing the Pelicans for he was uh, jettisoned off to Dallas at the trade deadline. Executive VP David Griffin, quote, did not honor his word and didn't send J.J. to Brooklyn. Instead, he gets to make millions of dollars playing for the Dallas Mavericks for a couple of more months. And then he could be with his family every day. And then he could retire, and he's made enough money where he doesn't have to work again, if that's what he chooses. So he could literally be with them every day after there. And do you have sympathy for that? I mean, everybody wants uh, what they want, and he didn't get an opportunity to be closer to his family in Brooklyn, the Northeast. Uh, so he want to go to Brooklyn too? What's up, everybody? Go to Brooklyn. On to the Kumbo brothers. There's three of them in the league. They made uh, a little bit of history. All three of them were on the floor. Two were with Milwaukee, one's with the Lakers. And the Bucks win 112 to 97. Second time. I think the first time happened uh, last season, uh, 2019. The Holiday, the Holiday brothers. brothers yep. Drew, Aaron, and Justin. All of them. They're former Bruins, I believe. Played for UC Correct. Los Angeles, right? So they got that going on there. And, I mean, that's noteworthy, I guess, to have three of them. I think the baseball, the Alou brothers, there's three of them. I don't know that it's ever been done uh, beyond that. Has it been done in the NFL? I'm not sure. Uh, How about did your the Watt brothers all play together at one point? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I don't 
know about that. And I think there might have been three Gronkowskis, too. There were the, the Gronk family as well, yeah. How about uh, MLS? We got that? I mean, that, that, that's your guys. <laughs> I would not be able to tell you off the top of my head. Guy tells me, I uh, saw him, met, met him uh, the other day, and he tells me, you tell DJ, man, that I am sick of having to wade through all those soccer highlights to get to your television segment at 11 o'clock on Sundays. And I said, well, uh, I'll be sure to tell him, but you won't have to wade through that anymore. <laughs> I don't do TV anymore, but uh, there you go. Uh, so the Bucks uh, go ahead and beat the Lakers in Los Angeles, as we expected, because they still don't have their guys. So they're going to struggle. They're 13-18, speaking of the Lakers. Drummond got a little bit of run. Uh, that game was on after the Jazz game. We tried to watch it a little bit until it got out of hand. He only played 14 minutes, uh, didn't have much of an impact. And obviously, uh, really nobody had much of an impact as the Lakers continue to struggle big time there until they get the two studs back and then Masuer at Booker, Devon, Devin Booker, as we call him Devonte, that'd be the running back for the Utes. Devin Booker goes off for 45 points as the Bulls are in Phoenix and they lose by five points. High scoring game, 121-116, and we just said the Bulls will be here tomorrow night. Uh, Nets. Uh, we're down uh, against the Rockets, had to come back. The big story is that James Harden said he had uh, tightness in his hamstring. So he left the game there, showed him sitting around. So we'll see what that injury is, if that's something that's going to linger. Still, now that we're in April, we still got uh, six, seven weeks before the playoffs start. So there's plenty of time to get going on that. Doncic has a big night, uh, 36, as the Mavs beat the Celtics. Celtics continue to bomb, man. They, that is the biggest mystery, I think, this season, is how bad they are. Uh, after last year, being pretty good with uh, pretty much the same guys. Now they made some trades now. See what they got going forward. And the Blazers with Lillard goes off for 33, and they win. All right, that's the stuff I'm going to tell you about in the NBA. And if I didn't tell you about your team, you can look it up, but I'm pretty sure I already did. Right here at 97.5, 1280 to zone. Hashtag NFL. In fairness to Cam, I'm not sure he had the proper weapons around him last year, and then he got COVID, and there were a lot of things that happened. And I don't know that Jared has ever really gotten a fair shot, so we have to wait and see what happens. That was Robert Kraft, and obviously they got him out of bed to give you uh, his thoughts on the quarterback situation with the Patriots. Sounded like he was half asleep there. And Cam Newton, we'll see. Uh, I kind of like the guy to watch him play. I'd like to see him uh, do well. But, yeah, the the Patriots didn't have enough weapons uh, on either side of the ball. I think that's obvious. They weren't good at all. Obviously, we know that. Two more fall suits. What are we up to, Yaka, on the Deshaun Watson Somewhere situation? around 20 lawsuits filed, but then... But 18 the other women yeah. now have come out and said they didn't feel uncomfortable or uh, uh, Watson didn't demand anything outside the scope of a professional massage. The thing that I don't understand, so we're now into the range of almost 40 ladies that yeah. he's had massages from that's, I, mean, that's I said this on twitter yesterday i'm like how many massage therapists is he seeing apparently now normally uh 
you get one. Maybe you have one in different cities sure. if you don't travel. So I can see that. But these are all in the Houston area, right? I don't know that they were beyond the Houston area. Everything, Maybe I didn't everything see I've that. read, yeah, it's all Houston yeah. based. So you would think that uh, since they're all set up in Houston there, that he would find one or two or three and stay with it. I mean, it seems like uh, these guys, I mean, they got so much money available. Let's let's never lose sight of that. It was a big tiff uh, going around between our guy, Stephen, what's his initial, Smith, and uh, hey. uh, Russell Wils- Westbrook about uh, Westbrook saying he's already a champion in life because he's making all this money and giving back to his community. I mean, never lose sight. These guys make millions. I mean, in the game of life, they're, they're just rolling in it. So they have all these personal things going on with chefs and trainers and whatnot. And usually they sort of stick to a small, small number, if not one or two. But uh, Watson's got a, a whole bunch. Now, I'm not convicting him because I don't think that's fair whatsoever. He's going to deserve his time to work through it if it comes to that. Uh, I don't know if there will be settlements or what what happened. But either way, no matter what uh, happens, until it does happen, I'm not going to say he did it or didn't do it because I have no clue. got to give him the benefit of the doubt, the way the system works. Uh, So we'll see how that plays out. But it's an unusual story, to say the least. Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett. Four years, $69.2 million contract extension. Includes $37 million guaranteed. Man, that's just an enormous amount of money. But that's the way it goes, man. And Kraft again for the Patriots. He spent an NFL record $165 million in guaranteed money in free agency. Now he's trying to make his team better, said for sure. Uh, the team's recent drafts have fallen short, and a turnaround will be critical for future sustained success. There's no question about that. You gotta have the draft. You gotta connect on the draft. I mean, that's just the essence of how to build a team with so many players—52 players for the NFL. "Quote: In the end, if you want to have a good, consistent, winning football team, you can't do it in free agency. You have to be able to do it through the draft." I don't feel we've done the greatest job the last few years, and I really hope and I believe, and I've seen a different approach this year. So maybe calling out Belichick a little bit. I don't know if you kind of seems that, that way because Belichick does have all the personnel yeah. decision-making titles. Yeah. You got a hit in the draft. Uh, he's had a great run, even if it ended today or next year, and whatever it ends, it's going to end some point. Belichick certainly has had the great run, but now it's time. Now we see what he's got uh, again. Can he do it again? Because he's already done it. Obviously, can he do it again? Does he want to do it again? How long is he going to stay there? Uh, some storylines to follow in the NFL. There it is, 97.5, the zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 2021, we're going to get back to some normalcy, and I definitely think that whoever's going to be at the, in the end of the season and when they get there to the postseason, they're supposed to be there. And that individual is hitting 30 home runs and 100 RBIs that didn't hit, get 30 hits last year, they're supposed to hit 30 and 100. We're going to get back to some normalcy in 2021. That's Torrey Hunter, an old great outfielder. Played for the Buzz, I think it was. He did. I remember watching him with the Buzz. Yeah, Salt Lake Buzz. He was a great player. He was an outstanding player, particularly on defense in the big leagues, that's for sure. Angels, Minnesota. Torrey Hunter expects everything to get back to normal. Now, I think he's talking about not just the crowds. I think he's talking about with the ball, that we don't see as many home runs, that it's a little more normal. Where 30 home runs is a big deal. 
And, you know, he's viewed as a stat, 300 batting average, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. That was where you thought of uh, having a big-time season. So uh, we'll see how that works with the ball. They're supposed to be dead, deaden the ball a little bit. Opening day is today, man. I think opening day is the best two-word phrase in sports. Opening day. I'm going to sit myself down and watch some games on television that matter today. whole bunch of them got going on here. Opening day is across the country, scheduled to begin play, allowing 20% uh, at least. I know the Diamondbacks, they upped it. I think they're at 25 Texas Rangers were criticized by your president, Joe Biden, for planning to allow full capacity in their home opener next Monday. They're on the road, obviously. Well, quote, your president. Well, that's a decision they made. I think it's a mistake. I think it's not responsible. All right. Thank you. The Washington Nationals will be without five players against the New York Mets because one player tested positive, resulting in contact tracing. Four teammates out. Some good matchups today. Blue Jays and Yankees, Rays, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Padres. Oh, me and DJ. White Sox, Angels, Mets, Nationals, Astros, uh, Athletics. And late last night, the Mets, they signed their all-star shortstop who they acquired from Cleveland in the offseason, Francisco Lindor. 10 years, $341 million. Man, it's the third largest in total value in MLB history. And that was why they acquired him in the offseason with blockbuster trade. And he's a dynamic player. So we'll see if the Mets spend a lot of money. They changed ownership, I think it was last year. And they're bringing in him, paying him a ton of money. So we'll see if that makes a difference. All right, what is trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them. The phone number for Shamrock Plumbing is 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. So at 9 o'clock, we got Craig Bullerjack. You know him. He does the broadcasting for the jazz on the television. And then right before that, it's always a little fluid when Joe Ingles calls in, but it's usually pretty good. And he's brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, and he'll be here somewhere between uh, when we come back at that 8.30 segment, uh, 8.45, somewhere in there. We'll get uh, Joe, talk to him about a bunch of stuff, the plane ride, the game last night, and some other stuff that's on his mind, see what he's got to say there. I know he and his wife are doing some stuff for autism, touch uh, base with him on that. Stay with us. Coming up next... And talk about the jazz, tell you where DJ's been and what's happening there, and we'll go forward. So stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The nine-loss UCLA Bruins. Do you honestly believe they're one of the best four teams in the country, or are you going to get on board with me? They got hot at the right time. No, I will say they have proved they are. Stop Let it. me get this straight. You don't believe a team that has won so many games in a row against good teams is not one of the best teams in the country because of what happened in November. Oh, the other several months of the season. Yes, <laughs> we put too much emphasis on the tournament because it's not about finding the best team. It's about what team gets hot at the right time. That may be one of the most illogical statements oh. I've ever heard. 
record. You gotta win games when your season is on the line. And that's what UCLA is doing. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I'll take your co- toast. The question of the day. It's brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of of luxury you deserve shop your way and get that piece of luxury that you deserve stop by and test drive one today all right jazz with a nice win i should say on that uh, drumming thing he stubbed his toe a little bit uh, i don't think it's major that's why he only played 14 minutes for the lakers we'll so he lost him. his entire toenail Ooh, yeah, yikes. I think uh, Lopez, the big guy from Milwaukee, whose brother does play in the NBA. They don't have three of them. they got two of them. They've been in the NBA a good long time now. I think a couple of uh, a couple of guys out of Fresno. And uh, Robin and Brooke stepped on his toe, and Drummond only played 14. Didn't play, uh, I don't think he played all in the fourth quarter, and it happened in the third quarter. So I still think it's a great addition for what they needed. Uh, and he'll have some opportunity to help that club once they get their two studs back, whenever they, whenever that is, uh, going forward. Uh, Jazz get a nice win. Before we get going, you know, DJ hasn't been working this week, and I think it's time, Yach, do we tell the people? Go ahead. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it had to end at some point, and so DJ's taking another job, and uh, so – we wish him the best going forward and uh, let him make that announcement. It's, it's tough for me to talk about, so I'll talk about it at the end of the segment, uh, give you some more detail on that. So stay with us at the end of the segment uh, as far as that goes. But right now we want to get to the Jazz, 111-107. to 107. They beat the Grizzlies. And I think the question of the day belongs around, and the hot take is, uh, how good of a win was that under the circumstances? You know, they get shaken up there with the plane thing. Mitchell doesn't make the trip. He's their guy, their offensive guy, right? He's the engine. I think we'd all agree with that, and he has been playing so well. I think this little stretch that he's had going, um, and I can make a strong argument that it's been the best he's had in the NBA. Now, in the bubble there, he had that thing going on, but I think that was a little inflated. Uh, because nobody's really come close to any of that stuff that they were doing there. And that was really good. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, you know, that was in the postseason, particularly, obviously, when he was having those 50-point games. So equating some form of regular season here, that uh, it was pretty impressive what he's been doing. And he wasn't there. So they had to find a way. And they had to grind. And guys had to play big minutes. Joe Ingles playing 34 minutes. You know, it's probably a little bit more than they want. Gobert going 36. All their starters went well into the 30s. So, Quinn Snyder up their minutes a little bit there. And then Oni steps in when somebody's out. He seems to be the 10th guy in the rotation. So, he gets 14 minutes. And if you believe in the plus-minus, he had a plus-minus of 8. So, that's nice. He took through, what, three threes and made one of them. So he made a little bit of a contribution. But for, for me, I think the story there is that without Mitchell, under somewhat of trying circumstances, they get the win. So how good of a deal is that? I think it's a pretty big deal. It's and maybe not a big deal. Maybe a big deal is overstated. It's, a, it's definitely a good deal. It's a nice, nice win. I don't think anybody could argue anything about that. That's something that they needed to have happen, and they did have it happen. 
and and guys made their way, made their impact on the game. And I think uh, didn't Gobert tweet out tough win, something along those lines. You go something ahead and like look that, that yeah. up. Uh, yeah, so he acknowledged it. So it was a, sort of a gutty win, a tough win. Proud of my guys. I think that's what. Uh, well, I know I'm looking at it right now. That's what Rudy uh, tweeted out, and good for him. Uh, so. Memphis, decent ball club. You know, Memphis missing a bunch of guys, too. Like Grayson Allen, he didn't play. Uh, and he had played the other two games there. And obviously, Jaron Jackson, I don't know what's going on with him. He's been out for a good long while. So, uh, John Morant, man, he's he's a spectacular player when he has it going on. Uh, slight of built, but he can he can do some things with that basketball. Man, he's a tough kid. Man. He flicked in a couple of balls there. It looked like a one he was just trying to draw contact. It looked awkward, but somehow it just went right in the basket. And Valanciunas, at least, you know, he's halfway decent. Uh, 16 points, 14 boards, five assists. A little bit of Jokic going on there. So I don't think Memphis is a bad ball club. They're not great. A game under 500. The thing that struck me is they're only 11-14 and 14 at home. That's not very good, obviously. You need to reverse. I don't even know if 14-11 and 11 is good enough at home, let alone 11-14. and 14. Uh, but Bogdanovich got going. He got going early, too. I think that's important for his level of confidence to get him going early. He only shot 6 of 17 from the field, so it's not like he was lighting it up percentage-wise, but 5 of 12 from 3, that'll work for you. You'll take that just about most uh, most games from him. So he gave you something because there's been some games offensively he ain't giving you much one for seven I was and that's say. not happening at all. Yeah, you know you just uh, you can't. so in 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 effect when he's doing that they're without one of their primary guys already, and so they take Mitchell out of the equation, and Conley. Conley knew okay I think he knew I got to do something here and going against his old home team it's still uh, this is his second year uh, I don't think that. It was like uh, revenge and all that. I think he probably wanted to be traded, be traded to a good team and a good organization. They've given him a chance to win as he rounds out the end of his career. And he knew that they had Morant there and they need to let that young kid play. That's part of the deal. So I don't think it was a situation where I'm just going to show those guys they got rid of me. Maybe a little bit, but I think it was more along the lines of, Hey, our leading scorer's out, Mitchell. Somebody's got to step up and replace what he brings if we want to win this ball game, and that's me. I need to do it, and I'm capable of doing it. Obviously, he is 26-7, and seven, four steals. Very nice. Very nice game for him, Mike Conley. Solid, solid game. Uh, one of his better games this season. I can't remember them all. Maybe it was his best game. I don't know. But uh, he figured out a way to have a major impact, and that's, that's the thing that I'm getting at that they are reliant on Mitchell to do his thing because he's their star, and I really believe he is a star. I think that's for sure. He definitely is a star. Uh, but the thing that uh, about it is they've got other guys, so they could spread it around because the more guys you can have and count on in the postseason, the more success you're going to have. You know, you look at the Clippers, and it's 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 got to be – Obviously, George and Leonard. You look at the Blazers. To a large extent, it has got to be Lillard and McCollum. And, you know, as you say that for the Lakers, too, it's got to be Davis and, and LeBron. I understand that. So, no matter who, what team you are in this league, 
you're going to have your stars, and they're going to have to play well, most likely for you to win. They're going to have to make big shots. Even if they don't have great statistical nights, if the game is close, the ball is going to be in their hand, they need to pass or shoot, they're going to have to make the correct play. That's for sure. But it certainly helps. It takes the pressure off, and I think it increases your chances to have success if you can have more players who uh, can contribute. The more, the better, and that's what the Jazz do. So for me, I think this was a good sign. One of the better wins because of the circumstances being what they were and your leading guys out, and he missed a couple games earlier in the year going way back now. And so not having him here uh, showed that they they got other guys. I put this question on Facebook. Is it, How much of a good sign is that without Mitchell that the Jazz still find a way to win? Scott says, it shows the Jazz can also rely on other players in the clutch when needed. If Dom, now he means Don, is off, they aren't one-dimensional. Uh, Brian, the best part was Bogey having a good offensive game. Six of 17, not really good, but he made contributions. Good from three. And particularly, uh, they didn't get off to a slow start, and which had been a little bit of a bugaboo. They're obviously way past that. But I was concerned about that going into the game, that they might get off to a slow start offensively, and then it's an uphill deal and just exert so much energy just to get to back to even, get back in a ball game. But that did not happen. In fact, they had a lead early. They had a lead of like 8 to 10 points a couple of times early. And I think a large part of it was Bogdanovich finding a way to put the ball in a basket. So that's good. That's good, obviously. Ryan says, it's funny. Most people say the Jazz cannot win a championship because they don't have that, quote, superstar player. I say that's why they will win it. Look at the other contenders. They lose one guy, they're done. The Jazz lose one, and it's next man up. Unless Rudy goes down, then they're done. Yeah. Well, they don't have anybody who can replace Rudy. Now, it's against Memphis, so it's not a great team. It's sort of like, uh, you know, when you have your injuries and who you're playing. I say that with the Pac-12 a lot. I say that... In a conference season, it's not just who you're playing, but it's when you're playing them. You know, who's out when you're playing them. Now, the Jazz are fortunate that they get Memphis, not Denver, not the Clippers, not the Lakers at full strength. They get Memphis, and obviously they can handle Memphis. They just beat them three times since Friday. So clearly they're the better team. And I was listening on, I uh, thought I would take a listen on satellite radio to uh, the Memphis post game. Just to see what they had to say. Get some, uh, and they do it Zoom just like the Jazz do. And they had their coach there, Jenkins. And he was all upbeat and positive. And the reason why I bring it up is because he said, excluding Saturday when they got smoked, but they played two of three against the Jazz and they hung with them. The first game on Friday was right down to the end. This game, Wednesday, certainly was right down to the end. Could have gone either way, although I thought the Jazz had more control of it than maybe they did the other night on Friday. I think they let it slip away. Here, they didn't really obviously let it slip away a big lead. But the coach kept saying that, hey, we just played the best team in the league. And he must have said it about five times. So he's looking to stay positive for his team, and obviously he's trying to sell it and spin it. But I like the fact that he acknowledged the best team in the league because that's what they are. And they should be acknowledged as that. 
Does that mean they're going to win it all? I don't know. It doesn't. It does not mean. It doesn't mean they're not going to, but I can't say that they're going to. But what I can say right now, through as we're approaching the 50-game mark in the season, in the 72-game season, these guys are the best team in the league, and he fully acknowledged that. And to me, that's the way they should be acknowledged because they've earned that designation at this point in time. Have they not? Yes, they have. Monty, didn't Locke say there was no way the Jazz could beat the Grizz three out of three? Did he say that, Yak? Did he say there was no way? I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, well, he even said that off the air to me. He's like, Jake, there's no way they win all three of these against Memphis. It just, it just doesn't happen in this short of a span. Well, He said that? Yeah, he did. Uh, well, he's a fan, and he's trying to let them down easy. Sure. So, I mean, you go in a self-defense mechanism, and they, and they do that, and you have to come up, you know, it's, the schedule's tough. Uh, they got these three games, and – a short span of time, or we got injuries, or we're sick. Uh, it was emotional. That's the great thing about this thing is the excuses were there, and that's exactly what they are to me. These guys are getting paid enormous amounts of money, and I realize they're still human beings, but you're better than Memphis. Get it done. You want to get where you want to be? Get it done. Don't. I don't want to hear all this other stuff. Even if that other stuff is somewhat legitimate, I did not. I do not remember Mr. Locke saying that, uh, but he tends to find ways why they can't win uh, because then it doesn't hurt as much, and that's what fans do. And he's a fan. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a fan too. I'm a fan. Everybody's a fan. Only Monson insists he's not a fan, and he's hung up on that, so he can continue to be hung up on that. But I'm a fan. How would it be to have to watch all these games and not be a fan? That would be torture <laughs> to have to do all this stuff, spend all this time watching all these games and not be a fan. Now, I don't get uh, hurt if they lose. It doesn't really bother me. I'm never, I've never really been a fan that way. I'm a fan of the games and watching the competition. That's what I'm a fan of, and that's what brings me back. I don't get caught up in the final score, but I get caught up in the games. And it would be horrible to have to watch all these games and not be a fan. That wouldn't be fun at all. It's way more fun to be a fan. I don't necessarily live and die by it, by the result, but I'm into it for sure, and I want them to win. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but I like that. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Playing the same, the same team three times in a row, or not in a row, but since Friday, they played them two in a row, and having the playing situation, have your leading guy be out, still finding a way to grind it out. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So I agree with it with that, that uh, there was opportunities there to lose. And I guess it would have been somewhat understandable. I just never like to accept losing uh, for other reasons beyond we didn't play well enough. Is that fair or is that unfair? Am I putting too much expectation on these guys? In my mind, uh, once you start accepting uh, reasons for losing, you're going to lose. Once you let that stuff creep in, well, we got this, we got that, this thing, that thing, then, then you're in trouble. Then you're probably the reasons why you've come up for why you're going to lose. That's probably why you did lose. Whereas if you shut those out and say, no, we're not taking that into consideration. We're not taking into consideration the birds and Mitchell being out and the multiple games against the same team in less than a week. I won't acknowledge that, I won't accept that for any reason as to why we're losing, well, then you probably don't lose. 
Uh, if you do, I think that once you let those things creep in and you find, you find yourself saying, well, yeah, you know, we got this and that, well, then that's what happens. Is that off base? Am I wrong? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Is that a wrong attitude? Or is it my way of thinking, hey, if you lose, it's you, you lost because you didn't play well enough. Don't slide to these extenuating circumstances. Huh? You like it? What do you think, Yak? Am I off base here? I don't think you're off base. I, I, I'm with you in the fact that people are trying to let Jazz fans down softly if they were to have lost one of those three games, but... Memphis is a team that's not the same stratosphere as the Jazz. We're talking about the number one team in the Western Conference. They're gunning to go to the NBA Finals this year, so you better take care of business against teams like this. Especially now, in a oh, yeah, regular this, season. Oh, yeah, you know, t- if it gets this, to the playoff, yeah, sure. and losing Memphis in the last day of March, that's not nearly a bitter pill to swallow as the any postseason fourth loss in whatever series you may get. Those can be crushing. And this year, it likely will be crushing if they come to it and they don't win 16 playoff games because that's what it takes to win the whole thing, right? You got four rounds of seven-game series. And so four times four, is that 16? I think it is. Uh, you got to find a way to get to 16. You get to yep, 16, you, 16 you, games. you rejoice like crazy. You go nutso. And if you don't get it, it hurts. I understand that fully. It doesn't necessarily hurt for me, but I get that it would hurt for you as the fan and would hurt for the players, the ownership, and the management, all that stuff. I understand that completely. But we're not there yet. We still have a good ways to go before we have to start worrying about that. we got six, seven more weeks to get this thing, get through this regular season thing. So I don't think losing to Memphis uh, is a crushing blow. It's just devastating. I don't see that. That's obvious, I believe. So you find a way to win. I like the I like the mental toughness. To me, that's what it's about. Gut it out. And I think that was the best part of the game is they had mental toughness. And the, the Grizzlies probably get a bump. Hey, they're without their best guy. So we have an even better chance to win. And we're a developing team with Morant, a young pup. Uh, so let's let's get a marquee win. Give us something to get excited about, our fans. And they didn't do it. The Jazz did not allow it. So they sucked it up, and they got the job done. To me, that was the number one thing that was the most impressive thing. Okay, I told you about DJ Yock. He hasn't been with us. Uh, and I said earlier, he's found some other work, so we wish him well. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't wish him well? I do wish him well. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is at his core. He'll drive you nuts from time to time. But I sure, I'm sure, i sure I drive him nuts from time to time. We've been doing the show 19 years. Next week is our 19th anniversary. Started in 2002. Where were you 19 years ago? Do you really want to know the answer to that question? Yeah, where were you 19 years ago? <laughs> I was in high school waking up listening to you guys. You're in high school thinking, how in the world am I going to pass chemistry? Huh? That or math. In high school. <laughs> and math. Okay, that's not kind of the same thing. Believe me, I was there. It was not 19 years ago. So all good things got to come to an end, right? 
DJ has found some uh, other work for himself. We wish him the best. He'll announce it when he does announce it. Except, Yach, I've got to come clean for those of you who gasped. Did you catch on? Did you follow me? Do you believe me? Because today is April 1st, and that makes it April Fool's. PK got you guys. <laughs> Did I get you? Come clean. Did I get you? Did you think that DJ is leaving the show? Did I get you? Now, I used to have a thing with my mother. She's gone now. But every April Fool's, we would try to get each other. We'd find a way to get each other to try to April Fool's each other. Now, you couldn't be outrageous. You couldn't call up and say, oh, oh my uh, wife's been in a crash or something stupid like that. No, they, 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 you don't do that. None of that. It had to be where it was harmless. And hopefully my little thing on DJ, nope, he's just off. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, so he's not, he's not even doing talking sports. Uh, I could have done it, but I turned it down. Uh, uh, my, my TV career is over there, I guess. So uh, with that in mind, it was just an April Fool's. But you ever get anybody? With my mother used to play April Fool's. I got her. I know I got her one time. And I'm living here in Salt Lake and Sandy in the Utah area. And, you know, I used to travel a lot, particularly when I worked for the Watchdog. And so I called her up and said, uh, hey, I'll be over in a, in a couple hours. I just landed. They sent me down to Phoenix to do an assignment, which they would do from time to time whether it was uh, the women's basketball when they would play the Mercury, the Stars, I'd be down there, or whatever, feature story, and obviously there's games to be covered, I'd be down there. And so I got her, and she said, oh, cool, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll be home, blah, 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 blah. So I went on a little bit, and then I zapped her with an April Fool's, and then she fired off an expletive in my direction. Uh, that's the <laughs> way she was. Nice. <laughs> Got any good April Fool's jokes? Have you pulled any that any April Fool's pranks? You got whomever. One time, my uh, my daughter. It was uh, April Fool's on a Saturday, and so my wife goes in there, wakes up my daughter. Come on, come on, you're late for school. She looked. Oh man, got up and uh, started getting ready. And then my wife felt bad because my daughter bought it and started getting ready for school. <laughs> so she felt bad that, that she woke her up. And she said, April Fool's. So April Fool's is always a big thing in my house. DJ's not going anywhere. It was simply an April Fool's joke. He'll be back on Monday. Today, April Fool's, the two best words in sports. We'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Trevor Sikama, co-host of Locked on the NFL Draft. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Did that really solidify him as the newest member of the New York Jets? When the trade for number three overall went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, I feel like we learned more about what was happening with the New York Jets because you had some detailed messages come out after the 49ers trade that said that they contacted Miami number three, they contacted Atlanta at number four, and they contacted the Cincinnati Bengals at number five. If there was a trade to be made to number two overall, I think the 49ers would have at least picked up the phone, or at least it would have been reported that they would have picked up the phone for them, but it wasn't. And so that tells me that Zach Wilson's been a lock to go number two for quite a while now, and the pro day was, I just think, the icing on the cake for him going very high in the draft. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. 
and tell you this segment is brought to you by S&S Roofing. Their huge winter sale and spring sales event is going on right now where you can save thousands of dollars on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say S&S Roofing for your free bid. How about that? That time of year, get a new roof if you need it. And SNS is the place to go. SNS Roofing for sure. All right. I'd said earlier, started the last segment, that all good things must come to an end. David James had found some more work, another job, and he would be leaving us. He would be gone. The DJ and PK show would cease to exist. And it has ceased to exist. Except I said it's April Fools. (laughs) And I said, you pull any good April Fools jokes? Yuck, you got one? Yeah, our good friend Blair Red, uh, he sent in this. His best April Fool's joke is my brother put a nice fridge on KSL Classifieds for cheap and with my phone number attached to it. I was getting confusing (laughs) phone calls all morning long till I realized what happened. (laughs) Nice. Jeez. Come on. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Yeah, man, you can sell just about anything at KSL. We've sold a whole bunch of stuff, man. We put uh, put a washer and dryer up and just, bang, got deluged with calls. Oops, yeah, that's the way to go. So I can understand uh, people looking for refrigerators and whatnot. My wife has used that oh, yeah. uh, extensively. Um, I guess you get, sometimes you get a little spammed, but they got to sure. just wade through that. Yeah, uh, one thing, if you guys want to send in your April Fool's jokes, you can do it on social media. You can send it to PK and I on Twitter, et cetera, or you guys can send in your open mics. Tell us exactly what happened. Use the app. You can record 15 seconds. We'll be sure to get it on air for you. So send those in. Yeah, we got the app cooking now. It was down for a little bit. You download the zone, and then the app comes up there, and then you can listen. I use it. It's an easy way to listen to the other shows when I'm out and about through my phone and not at home and have the radio on. I just uh, I downloaded the app, just clicked on that thing, and I can get it. Just touch a button, and I can get uh, Hans and Scotty from 10 to 2 or Jake and Gordon from uh, 2 to 6, uh, jazz pregame with Tim Lacombe an hour before each of the games, and then they do the halftime and postgame. So uh, for me, rather than after, especially uh, if I don't uh, have a radio nearby, I just – Click the phone in a way that I go. So I did say that uh, DJ was gone, and I I contained it. I didn't let it spread. I didn't let it go into another segment. I started the segment with that, and then I moved over it by the end of the segment, talked jazz in the middle, and then I said, ah, just kidding. But I got Justin. We got Justin. Justin Warner says, totally got me sitting in my car, late to a meeting to hear what happened. Felt sick to my stomach. (laughs) Well, thank you, Justin, for your loyal support. We appreciate that. I'm sorry that I had you feeling sick to your stomach, that you were late to meeting because I said that I would explain it at the end of the segment. And my explanation was it was April Fool's joke. Tell your boss it's PK's fault. (laughs) Yeah. Blame me. I t- oh, may- how do you know he has a boss? Maybe he's in charge. Maybe he is the boss. Maybe that's true. Yeah, so he can be late. Lead- that's when you know you're something. The meeting doesn't start till I get there. How about that? Uh, I'm, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know uh, how I'd be able to uh, handle that one. So I've never been uh, 
where I'm the boss. I try to be on time at all times. I value other people's time as well as my own. So April Fools, if you got any, get on our app, tweet at us, let us know. Try to get my mother. I often failed. And she would try to get me. I'm sure she did get me, particularly when I was younger. But normally, as when I got older, it's you, I, we would call each other and then start making some incidental chit-chat to the point we're really doing it. And we're both waiting until we can find a way to zap each other, to get each other on that. And it was hard to do as far as that goes. Uh, so... Uh, we would always have fun, and I miss being able to have that. You have that opportunity to do with someone, particularly if your parent and your parents getting older. Take advantage of it because it goes by and then it's gone. You can't do it anymore. And it's one of the traditions, little things that I always think about it every April first, and that's what we got today. No, I think DJ and I are going to be here for a while. I don't think either was either one of us has any plans to go anywhere else. Why? Why would we? Why would we? We're going to ride this thing out pretty much probably as long as they let us because this is a whole heck of a lot of fun. This job is just absolutely awesome. Love it every day. Love talking about the different things. Love talking about the games and all the games are different. The seasons as they arrive, they, they, it doesn't matter what season. It gets me excited uh, for, the, for the big three. For me, the big three uh, locally, uh, jazz basketball, BYU-Utah football, Utah State football, and then we get into college basketball. I mean, that's our bread and butter, right? You can get national stuff other places, the local stuff. That's what we try to hit. And today is the advent of another season and opening day in the big leagues. I got to admit, as a kid growing up in New Jersey, it always got me excited every time. I loved it. Get your reaction to opening day. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for joining us. On this Thursday, April 1st, got to tell you about Mark Miller title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Thank you, Mark Miller Subaru, for your support and support them. Subarus, I have purchased a Subaru. Good cars, that's for sure. Today is a duel. April 1st, Rip Miller just tweeted DJ Jocks. He has uh, his Twitter, David DJ James. Enjoyed listening to you and PK Kinahan for the last 19 years. Best of luck on your new career. Oh, boy. He's going to be calling in any moment then. <laughs> well done, Rip Miller. We did play a little April Fool's joke uh, earlier in this, uh, about 45 minutes ago. I said that the DJ and PK show was coming to an end because DJ is not with us this week. And I thought, wow. I told Yak yesterday, I said, we got to do it. And. I used it on some of our listeners that I ran into over the week this past few days because I obviously I knew DJ was off doing some personal stuff, taking a little vacation. And I said that, hey, I'm going to say that on April Fool's. What do you think? And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely do it. We think it'll work. Go ahead. We think that's funny. So I tested it out. I took it for a test drive and tested it out with a couple of our listeners that I did not know. They knew me, and I chatted them up. And we went from there, and they said, yeah, it's good. So I did go, I uh, did tell them that I would do it if they thought it was good, and they thought it was good. So it worked. Some people were fooled. You had fun. I do need to tell you about the significant transfer from BYU basketball because we've got another, this time it's a big-time player who's put his name in the transfer portal. They've had some guys who've been bench players, but now one of their starters 
has put his name in the transfer portal, and I didn't see that coming. Okay, April Fools. <laughs> I got you, Yogg, didn't I? No. For a second, I'm like, huh? Did I miss one overnight? <laughs> oh, nobody. No, no, no big stud for BYU basketball has put his name in. At least not yet. Well, at least not yet. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. How about Allen deciding to go to BYU? Did you hear about that news? April Fools. I guess we can go this all day, huh? Oh, no and doubt. Fun. And uh, Kyle. Kyle's had enough, and he's going to go be uh, Kalani's D coordinator at BYU. Nobody would believe that. <laughs> <laughs> April Fools. But what's not April Fools, today is opening day. Do you have to be a big baseball fan to get excited about opening day? I say you don't. And no. I know around here with you two, you two soccer guys, you love your soccer <laughs> and you just are, you know, you're all excited about that. And that's where it's, uh, well, that's where it's going. Right now, Steve Krauk, he's rolling over uh, in his bed, not in his grave, thinking of soccer over baseball. But I know you and, and Sniggy, you love your soccer and good for you. And baseball's dying. Uh, but I don't think you have to be a big baseball fan to enjoy opening day. No, you <clears throat> I, don't. I just think, especially where we live, where it's cold. It's going to be in the 70s, I heard, this weekend, man. How awesome nope. is that? Spring is here. So that's what I, I conjured up. When I was a kid, winters in Jersey sucked. They seemed to last forever. Uh, they just go on and on and on, and just brutal. And you'd be socked in there. And to think that the Mets and the Yankees were playing just would get me so excited. My parents bought me this little television. It was uh, I don't know. It wasn't even a 20-inch screen. It was smaller than that. And it was black and white. And I had it in my room. And I would get so excited. I would come home from school. Uh, I went to Catholic grade school. And I'd come, I took the bus every day. And it uh, seemed like it was a mile that I had to go to the bus stop. But I'm sure it wasn't. And I would just get so pumped up uh, to know. Even though I was never really a Mets or Yankees fan, I don't understand why I wasn't, because I should have been like you and DJ, where you grew up rooting for the local teams, and DJ loves all the San Diego teams, and all the teams that were in his community. And I had two of these teams where uh, the Yankee Stadium was not more than 30 miles from my house. and uh, But yet I was never a big fan in terms of rooting for them. But I loved to watch them. And, and back then, you... You'd have uh, road games would be televised, so you'd basically have a game every day because the Yankees would be home, the Mets would be away, vice versa. And opening day for me, man, I circled it. And I loved to play and to know that there was an opportunity to be out to be out on the field. I, I can remember one year, Little League, and that's all we played today. They play all this travel ball and all these games. In my day, you just played the local Little League, and it was a big deal because communities back east are a big deal. And I can remember we our first practice was going to be on a Saturday, and I went to a Knicks game on Friday. And, man, I was so excited, so excited to go into Madison Square Garden, see the Knicks play, and to know that the next day I was going to be out on the baseball field. The smell of the leather, the ball, the bat, the wood. They didn't have aluminum bats then. Just everything about it just got me so fired up. And i got to admit, that's the little kid in me still comes back, still gets me excited and to know that today is opening day. Now, we're going to see probably some miserable weather some places. 
I was looking last night. I saw something on social media, Cleveland and opening day, and it was like played almost in a little bit of a mini blizzard, but they still played it. And we're going to, you know, we talk about the uh, Broncos and DJ likes to support all things Channel 2 because it's his job too, and he doesn't want to say anything, and he insists that the Broncos are where it's at in our community. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It isn't for me, so I don't really care if it is for others. But do we have a dominant team in this market? Is there a team that we can say most people pull, pull for? You think so, Yak? Is there a team? Uh, is you're it talking, the Dodgers? You're, talk, you're talking baseball? I'd probably yeah. say either the Dodgers or the Rockies. Those are probably the two I would venture to a guess at. The Rockies, huh? And to a to a lesser degree, probably the Diamondbacks and the Angels. So the Dodgers uh, can can we reach any consensus? A lot of Californians, I yeah. being one of them, moved up here. Well, my entire my entire extended like in laws, like my they're all Orange County natives, and they're all Angels fans by and large. So well, that's obviously where the Angels play, right there next to Disneyland. We've all been down there. Um, I've been to many Angel games over the years. I would say with uh, the extended run that the Dodgers have had over the past decade or so, I'd probably say the Dodgers are in the lead as kind of that yeah. consensus well, they've team. They've won the division like seven, eight times in a row now. doesn't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon. Not with the way they're spending. Uh, no. No, I went out and got Trevor Bauer uh, to a pretty good uh, starting rotation. Uh, Mookie Betts last year, uh, and he's a really good player, obviously. So what about that? Opening day. Does it get you excited today? I can't think of two better words. Give me two better words than sports than opening day because I can't think of an uh, NBA title, I guess. Uh, but that's uh, that's specific to whoever wins it. Opening day obviously is general. Hope springs eternal and all that stuff, as we know. Uh, so I put it on twi- Twitter or Facebook, I should say. How sweet is opening day, Brad? It's nice to see baseball back trending towards normalcy. Now, that's for sure. Yeah. That was, I mean, that, that's one of the, and there was a million things that sucked last spring. There's no question. But you wait, 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 and you didn't get it. You didn't get baseball when it was time for baseball. At least in the NBA, you had had it until March 11th or 12th or what it was. NFL obviously was off. Uh, NCAA tournament not having it this time last year was a major blow. Uh, I agree with that, uh, particularly for those senior kids who had an opportunity to participate and they didn't get the year back because their seasons were pretty much concluded. So they couldn't come back. This year's group, they're letting him, which doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me why seniors can get this year back in basketball when most of them had, and maybe not the entire season the way it normally would be, but they played enough games, I can get with the football situation, particularly when the bungled Pac-12 where they played a handful of games. So Christopher, he says, I don't care. And he's got the gif of uh, the fugitive, Tommy Lee Jones, with, uh, who's the other guy, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yep. And Harrison Ford's about to jump out onto that uh, drainage runoff. And so you got, uh, he doesn't care. All right, Christopher, if you don't care, good for you. You don't care that it's spring is in the air. The weather's going to get better. Life is looking, the earth is renewed. You don't care? Because when I think of opening day, I conjure up more than just the actual game out on the field. Rob says, I like rooting for lovable losers in baseball. So I was a Cubs fan. The day after they won the series, I became a Padres fan. Damn it. 
Go Padres. Padres spent a ton of money, too. They're expected to do big things. They they seem like there was a while there. Every day they were signing somebody. Okay, stay with us. we got Joe Ingles coming up soon right here on 97.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Trevor Sikama, co-host of Locked on the NFL Draft. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Did that really solidify him as the newest member of the New York Jets? When the trade for number three overall went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, I feel like we learned more about what was happening with the New York Jets because you had some detailed messages come out after the 49ers trade that said that they contacted Miami number three, they contacted Atlanta at number four, and they contacted the Cincinnati Bengals at number five. If there was a trade to be made to number two overall, I think the 49ers would have at least picked up the phone, or at least it would have been reported that they would have picked up the phone for them, but it wasn't. And so that tells me that Zach Wilson has been a lock to go number two for quite a while now, and the pro day was, I just think, the icing on the cake for him going very high in the draft. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. Joe Ingles coming up. Jazz with a huge win. Under the circumstances, trying circumstances, beating the Memphis Grizzlies by four points. I thought it was a great gut check win. You know, Memphis is not a great team. They're not a horrible team by any stretch. I think if you're a 500 team, obviously you're you're the epitome of what mediocre is. But that means that on certain times that you're going to be pretty good. And so you had some things working against the Jazz, the emotional nature of the playing situation, Donovan Mitchell not being there, playing the Memphis Grizzlies for the third time since Friday, uh, finding a way to gut that thing out, needing some contributions from some other guys to offset the loss of Mitchell's scoring and all the things that he brings to the team. So one of the circumstances in John Morant had it going on for sure. He was sensational as far as his play. So you put all that in the hat, and the Jazz still find a way to win. That's what I liked about it. They had to gut it out. Tough win, as Rudy Gobert said. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's exactly what happened. And so you got to give them credit for that. Finding ways. You know, they've had relatively good health. You look at some other teams. You look at Portland and the Lakers, right? I mean, they right now – the Lakers, they're sort of decimated by injuries with the two studs out. Portland has been hampered by it. They seem to be at full strength. We'll see what Portland Portland can do. So we're going to get to, uh, with Joe Ingles and get all of his thoughts on that. The Joe Ingles Show. Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. As the longest-serving credit union in Utah, Cypress Credit Union is here to help you with all of your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joining us. Joe, today is your lucky day. DJ's out. You get PK solo. How lucky are you? 
<laughs> when Jake told me that just then on the phone, I was about to hang up and just not bother doing it. <laughs> so you can hurt me, sticks and stones, buddy, but I know deep down you care. <laughs> so I uh, care a little bit about the show, not about you. I do well, it for the listeners. I do absolutely. it for the people. You are a man of the people. Uh, I saw you tweeted out something about speaking of man of the people. Can you tell us what you got going with this uh, family charity auction that's going to raise funds for the autism awareness? Yeah, um, I'm glad you asked because I was going to force you to uh, ask me regardless. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, it's pretty obviously with Jacob's situation and, and what we've kind of dealt with and I guess understanding the financial burden, obviously, a very lucky spot, not for us, but for, for a lot of families. And um, obviously being Autism Awareness Month um, in April, starting today, and Autism Awareness Day tomorrow, um, which is our game day versus Chicago. Um, I think, I mean, you guys, know, we, we've tried to do something every year um, yeah. just to help other families and, and other people that need the financial support or their kid needs to get more hours of therapy or speech therapy or kind of whatever the situation is. So we're, um, we're auctioning a one item every day for, I don't, it's probably about, I don't know how many days are in April, but 30 or 31 days, however many days are in April. So um, one new item will go up every day, which Myself, Renee, and, and a few other people will post on our social media. Um, there's some some pretty cool stuff. Um, I don't want to kind of give it all away, but um, there is some kind of like jerseys, shoes, things like that, um, some Zoom Q&As and things like that, which is um, a bit more of a personal touch to sit there with Renee and I or, or other people um, that will come up in the next few days. But... Yeah, well, one item per day for, for 30 days. Um, they stay live um, for a few days, so you'll, everyone will have a chance over the next five, ten days to, to bid on different items that they would hopefully like. Um, we've got some pretty cool stuff from the Jazz that they've donated, some Ryan Smith, um, people all over the place, a very, very good uh, NFL player with a, a signed jersey, which is... Um, I didn't realize how big time this guy is, but he's reasonably big time. So, um, yeah, just a lot of different stuff. And then then all the proceeds are getting split between um, funding some, like I said, therapy and and hours and stuff here in Utah and then the charity that we work with in Australia. So, Renee's social media. I know you've only got like 26 followers, but you can retweet (laughs) some of the cool things. Um, Okay. Yeah. We had a pretty cool text yesterday from someone that will get announced, which is donate, just donating out of their pocket um, a very, very large sum, which is probably the sum that I thought we'd get for the month, but they've donated it themselves. So, um, yeah, some really cool things. Um, if there's anyone listening that knows anyone that wants to throw a donation out, I'll happily take it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be cool. And like I said, it's just... Obviously, something that we're super passionate about, and we, we want to be able to help some families. We, we get kind of reached out to a lot about um, situations that people are going through or 
through where Jacob goes, you, you talk to families and, and you can listen in their, their stories and their voice how, how, how much they're struggling. So um, anything we can do, if there's, like I said, anyone out there that wants to help out in any way, um, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to try and figure something out. So, yeah, it'll be, be exciting. So the way it works is that they can find all this stuff on social media. Is there a website? How does it work for them to bid on these particular items to have an opportunity? And obviously the proceeds going towards the autism. So could you explain specifically what the people who want to be a part of it and want to bid on them, what they need to do? For sure, yeah. So it'll be um, a link, uh, a link to a website that we'll post every day, um, which will obviously... The link that we post every day will go to that specific item of the day, but then on that page as well, you can um, see every other item as well. So if you go on on Saturday, there'll be two or three items um, as well as the one that we post that day. So okay. go to the link um, that I'll, I'll tweet out every day, um, which will be a little bit annoying because I don't like tweeting every day, but it's, for, like I said, great cause. I'll post it on my Instagram. I'll post it on my Twitter, um, likewise with Renee, and you can go to the link, and then you can um, you can obviously bid on the item. So there'll be there will be a starting price with every one that we okay. hope is reasonable. Um, again, we're not trying to like break people's banks, but we are obviously trying to raise money as well. So um, if you can afford to uh, to, to bid on some things. Um, obviously funny with the pandemic we're going through we're, we're trying to raise money so we understand people are in some some people are in tough situations as well with that so anyone that can bid um will be be happy to help and um if things get bidded on that people want more of or anything like that when we find out how many bids are going on we can always add different things as well it's it's our auction, so we can do whatever we want with it. So, yeah, um, yeah there'll be a, a link to a website every day, um, and we'll make sure that gets posted on everyone's social media so that it's very easy to get to. Sure. Okay, and Joe Ingles' uh, Twitter handle is at Joe Ingles7, and his wife is uh, at Renee Ingles, R-E-N-A-E Ingles, I-N-G-L-E-S, obviously. So look for that in the coming month. We're just getting started here with April, and so we've got 30 days, and you can bid, and the money and the proceeds will go to a phenomenal cause. Yeah, first one will be out today. Um, After I go in and test and get my day started, we'll, uh, we'll send the first one out soon. Yeah, cool. Look forward to doing that and seeing how much money you can raise, and obviously a cause that is uh, dear to Joe's heart and for a lot of people. I mean, all of us, I think, have, uh, are touched by it one way or another. I've got a good friend whose son is like 14 years old, has not spoken a word in his life and uh, has autism, So, and he's going through all that stuff. And you talk about the yep. finances. I've been aware of that because he's told me about all the stuff and all, all the stuff that, that needs to be done, and it can get pricey. So it's a great cause. Help out, and you can get some uh, items and some opportunities to do some other stuff here throughout the rest of the month. So look forward to that on Joe Ingles' Twitter and social media and, and bid as appropriate. And I'm sure they have some cool stuff. I know the Jazz will donate some it's good very stuff. Very cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get to some specific basketball, uh, how scary was it with that flight for you? Uh, um, I mean, I laugh at the start there, but more from, uh, I don't want to say that I'm kind of just happy to be here, but it was for a, a, a good, I don't 
matter how long it was in real time, but it felt like a long time. Um, mm. I mean, it was yeah, it was scary. Um, I've I've talked about it now with a few of the guys. Like I, I mean, I've played professionally since I was 17, and I mean, playing professionally, you can probably think about how many times I've flown um, in that time and national team and going home every summer and, and everything and obviously the NBA schedule how, how often we get on a plane and um, I've never been through something like that um, I think I don't want to say it got downplayed in the media but it wasn't like we hit a little bit of turbulence and had to go on an emergency landing there was there was people from the back of the plane saw the engine blow up flames everything like that um I sit right over the left wing, which is the engine that blew. Um, there was pieces flying off the engine. You could see, I think some people posted, there was a big chunk kind of hanging off the the inside of the engine, which we saw fly off. Um, we didn't see the damage on the inside, I guess, until we kind of landed. Um, I mean, the plane was tilted to the left, obviously, with, with the left engine being gone. Um, and I think that, I mean... For me, the scariest part, like looking out the window, um, was, I mean, you, everyone knows how big an engine is on the side of that kind of left wing, and it literally looked like the engine was kind of hanging on by a thread. Like, it looked like at any point um, the engine was just going to kind of fly off the wing, and I mean, I don't even want to think about what, what that does to a uh, to a plane if it, if it flies off, but it was, I mean, I, I was texting Renee trying to hope that we had Wi-Fi at the time, we, we usually have Wi-Fi on the plane, but I don't think we were high enough at that point. But, yeah, it started off with a massive, like, loud bang, um, again, which I've, I've never heard in my life on a plane, um, which kind of shocked us all. And then, yeah, like, like I said, I mean, on, like, I, for my kid's life, like, I, I, for a good few minutes there, was like, we're, we're going down. Like, there's, I don't know if there's an option we... Maybe that's a part of me, obviously, again, not not being in a situation like that before, but um, I think everyone on the plane at some point for, for some amount of time was um, praying or, or whatever they were doing, hoping that we were going to stay afloat. It was, it was pretty scary. And then I think after, again, I don't know the timeline of it because it felt like forever, but the, the pilot came over eventually and, and kind of explained what happened and, him being as calm as he was was a little bit annoying because we were, we were all um, crapping our dacks, but everyone, the, the, when, he, when he was pretty calm and explained what happened and that we'd lost the left engine already and that we were obviously good to fly with one engine, which I had no idea about, um, I think kind of settled everyone down. So, um, yeah, very, very scary experience and... Um, I mean, I hope it happens to no one ever again because it's it wasn't fun. Um, I mean, I got in my car when we landed and drove straight home to, to Renee and the kids and um, was very glad I, I got to go and do that because it was, um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't kind of a laughing, joking. Um, again, like I said, I, I don't think they purposely kind of played it down, but if you weren't on the plane at the time, you nobody would have kind of understood what we were feeling as a as a team or, or staff or whatever. So um, yeah, definitely definitely rattled rattled the group a little bit. 
So how many minutes into the flight was it, and were you still able to see, like, the ground in Salt Lake and the Salt Lake area? Was it that close to the airport? Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't long, long after we took off, which, um, again, like, I don't know specifics of how high we were, but we were we were pretty close. Like, we could see the ground and stuff still, which, again, I don't know if that's good or bad because we yeah. could see how close we were or if we had to land, like, where, where we were going to land if we couldn't, but they were... They were dumping fuel, and um, again, I don't know the detail. You obviously can't land with the amount of fuel we had, um, I guess, for the weight of the plane or whatever. So, um, yeah, we kind of took off. Um, we had actually just kind of dealt our first de- uh, deal of of cards that we were playing, and um, it happened right after, I think, George dealt the cards, and, and the bang happened, and we threw the cards in immediately and was like, yeah, freak, everyone was kind of freaking out for a minute. It was, it was one of those things that, again, you just, I mean, not if you've never been in that situation or you're not a pilot that's been or, or an, a flight attendant or, or whatever, it was, um, so we kind of circled around, I guess. Um, I saw like a flight map. We kind of, I guess we kind of circled around and then was obviously once the, the um, pilot said we were going to be okay to land and, should be fine landing and everything will be okay um, as the engine was blown and we were still kind of in air, in the air safely. Um, I think it settled everyone a little bit, but um, yeah, it won't be a... Uh, it, was t- it was tough getting on the fly, uh, plane again a couple of hours later. Did you, during that time, did you make any deals with God? I was, try- I was trying to text, text Renee the whole time. I... Which, looking back, like I don't know if that was the best decision or not, because she was, we lost reception for a little bit. I was kind of texting her like, "Yo, something just blew up, and we're about to make an emergency landing or something." I wrote, and we kind of like lost reception because we're kind of high enough to have a little bit, but obviously it goes in and out until we get to whatever the height is to get Wi-Fi, which we are lucky enough to have on the plane. And um, yeah, once we once we got uh, once we got high enough, uh, low enough, obviously the um, well, once we landed, sorry, I had all these texts from from, from Renee, kind of freaking out about. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it was just because I I had enough reception to get them through to her, and then it kind of died, so I couldn't reply. Like it was just a like I said, it was once we got on the ground, I was off that thing and in my car and getting home as as quick as I could to to see them. So. Um, like, yeah, like I said, I I hope it never happens to anyone um, because it, it, it I mean it shows you uh, it showed us all I think how scared we could get in the situation, but also um, yeah, just a, a a very scary situation to be in. So I was thinking about this because of you being a pro at a young age and literally playing all over the planet. You've probably flown more or certainly as much as anybody on this team in terms of total miles. And, you know, you go back and forth. You haven't because of the pandemic. But since you've been with the Jazz, you've been going back and forth several times to Australia. And that's uh, thousands of miles, however, 10,000, however many miles that is. So if you say that 
all that flying that you've done for all these years, you know, a good 15, 16 years, and you've never experienced anything like that, then that must have been an unbelievably terrifying experience for you personally since you are such a veteran of flying. So I can only imagine what your heart when I say, like, must have been receiving. When I say I've never, never been, like, when, like, not even close to something like that. Like, not even, I remember one flight i think i was flying from uh london to melbourne or somewhere like that and it was a long flight um and i was kind of sitting back there with everybody and i remember we dropped like the turbulence um or we hit a pocket of whatever it was and we dropped like however far we dropped um and that was at the i was like 15 16 years old and i was like man that's that was really scary but we kind of like that was the, the only thing, like, I've been in turbulence and that doesn't kind of yeah. worry me too much. Um, but even, like, e- even yesterday I was saying to a few of the guys, like, if we had to, if that same situation was in a typical, a more typical Utah day, a, a windy day, bit of snow, um, obviously people that have flown know how windy it gets um, kind of flying into Utah. Like, Utah and, and Denver are two places that are, horrible to fly into if it's windy or snowing or raining because of um, how kind of much the plane shakes like I don't know if that engine thing the engine would have stayed on if we were if it was a bad day weather wise in Utah like that's um, again like yeah no not nothing even ever close to, to what we went through not even anywhere close Joe Ingles show brought to you by Cypress Credit Union uh, so Mitchell didn't get back on the plane did you think about it yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody thought about it. Um, I think as soon as we we landed, a few of the guys were like, "I don't know what the NBA rules are, but can we forfeit the game?" And we were lucky enough to beat them twice. Maybe we just give them this one win and, and <laughs> don't travel and give give the guys a couple of days to, um, I guess, kind of just relax and and um, kind of realize what we just went through, um, kind of as a group. So. Um, I, I felt a lot better, obviously, once we got on the ground um, and then being able to get in my car. And I mean, even driving right after was a bit uncomfortable, just what we'd gone through. But once I once I got home to, to Renee and the kids and I got to, to see them and, and actually get to spend, I got to spend a few more hours at home and, and put the kids to bed and, and all that, um, I was, I guess, a lot more comfortable. And then... Um, kind of just hearing stories and people telling us like like there's there was flight attendants on our plane that have flown for thirty years and it's never happened to them. So like uh, how rare an occurrence it is that that, that what happened. Um, but if anyone in our team or staff said I was like wasn't comfortable going, I would not I wouldn't have questioned it one bit. And um, yeah, I mean if if it was me, I would have hoped they wouldn't question. I think everyone. Everyone has things in their life that are kind of no-goes. Um, like if something ever happened to Renee or the kids or, or whatever, like I'm not I'm not traveling. I'm not going to a game. There's no question in my mind um, with certain things that obviously take a much higher priority in my life over a basketball game. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been, whatever the word, mad, upset, whatever, if we, with anyone that decided to, to stay back. So, um, obviously, 
his situation, we're like, we're going to have to fly again. I mean, he's stated numerous times that he hates flying, as it is anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we obviously got to get on a flight again on Sunday or Monday or something. So um, we'll see how see how it goes. Hopefully he's, he's all good. And um, I'm glad we kind of got to go there, play the game, and um, get a win and, and get home safely. Yeah, so how big of a, of a gut check under the circumstances, just playing Memphis for the third time since Friday, then you factor all this stuff in and the emotional shaking of the nerves and all that, and I, I can't really imagine. I've been in a couple of situations. I've traveled a fair amount for work where I got scared, but I don't know that it's to that level where you literally think you're going down and then uh, you don't have your leading scorer, but you still find a way to win. I thought under the circumstances that was a gut check win. Oh, I was, I was very. Uh, it was, I guess, kind of one of the more proud um, wins we've, for me anyway. Like you, like you said, you throw in all the, the circumstances. Like even just, I mean, beating a team twice in a row is is hard. Like we've talked about it when you, we've had a few of those games where you play the same team like Monday, Wednesday, or, or whatever it is. So let alone on a back to back, those first two uh, with a. Like, let's not get it twisted like they're a, a very good uh, I think they're young and they're still kind of probably finding themselves a little bit of the way they play and 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 kind of what works for them but they're they they play super hard they're physical um they obviously know like like Jar's their guy and they 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 play well together and so winning back-to-back games is is tough never mind throwing at, at Cleveland um who obviously we we kind of took care of Fairly easily, um, but still another game, and then and then, yeah, throw in the, the plane situation, and then go home. I think we end up flying out at like eight o'clock at night. We got in at twelve, one o'clock in the morning. Went over, had a shoot around the next day, just to kind of just to get out there and, and not be in the room thinking about what happened, and then not having Donovan um, again playing the, the same team for a third time. I, I was, uh, I like. I didn't say it to anyone at the time, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised if we came out slow or sluggish or, um, like you said, kind of that nerve-wracking feeling. Um, so, yeah, really, like, really proud of the guys just to pull out a, a, a win, but a tough win. It obviously got close there for, for the last quarter. And, um, yeah, like I said, happy to happy to get that win, and then I was happy to get the hell out of there and come home. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. you know, it seemed like when you, you – there was that stretch a couple of weeks back earlier uh, in March where you'd lost four or six, and the slow starts were uh, somewhat uh, of an issue. Well, now you talk about this one here, Bogdanovich hitting the threes early. You didn't have that slow start. Uh, is that more of a mental thing as far as, hey, let's make sure what, from the opening tip we're ready to go? Yeah, Um I mean, obviously, we can be, and as you know, Quinn, coach, prepares us probably just as well or, or better than any other coach or team in the league. Like we, we know exactly what we're doing going into a game. We know what our, our scout is. We know what the team's doing, the players are doing. Um, obviously, we know what we want to do on, on both ends of the floor. Um, so I think it's just that mentality. Like, there's teams you know, like Memphis is one of them, that they kind of like punch you first and they want to see how you react. And if you don't, then they're going to kind of run away. Uh, I think we saw it in the second half of one of the games. They 
they came out and kind of gave us one last push and got the game back, and we were obviously able to, to settle it. But, um, yeah, I think just mentally being prepared. And obviously we – I don't know how many games Donovan's missed this year, but not many um, right. at all. Maybe maybe one more, one or two or something. So I think three total. We have, yeah, okay. So we haven't, we haven't been out there without Donovan very often at all. It's usually been – I missed a few, and, and Mike missed a few. Me and him have kind of flip-flopped in that starting role a little bit. So um, I've never like I've never started a game with Mike. I don't think since we've been here. So just just figuring out um, playing with him a little bit more. Like obviously, I usually I usually sub him out as the first sub, and then we play a little bit together. So just figuring out um, different times again to to kind of be aggressive where I can be, where Mike can be. Um, obviously where other guys come in and, and do their thing. So um, we had to kind of figure it out on the fly a little bit with with the situation, um, which is obviously another reason why why it's a good win for us, just to, to be out. I mean, you never know what experiences or situations. It was like Mike in the bubble. He, he gets healthy and he's playing well towards the end of the year and then um, obviously has the, the birth of his, his third son and, and misses a few games. So you figure it out on the fly and... Um, it's what we had to do yesterday, and we were obviously able to do that um, and, and get a win. So in the U.S., April Fool's, April 1st. April Fool's is a big day. Is it a, a day to pull tricks and pranks and people in Australia? You guys get into it? Uh, some people do. Um, there's no tricks or fools about my auction. I hope everyone bids as much no, as no, possible no, no. And, and doesn't fake me on what they're going to bid because um, <laughs> I want it to be a lot of money um, but no it's um, I think as I've got older it kind of slows down you don't really think about it too much but um, I think we always you always end up seeing something on social media or something of, of something happening um, but yeah no it's a it's a funny day you can there's usually someone that's getting tricked I hope they're not joking about us like testing this morning or anything like that so um, <laughs> because <laughs> I've just pulled up at testing and if I have to drive home after this, I'll be mad for no reason. <laughs> I don't think they did. I did say earlier, DJ's off today. We've been doing this show 19 years and I said that he had quit and found another job and so some people believed me and then I said, no, nope, just April Fool's. So we'll, he'll be back next week. So you'll have both of us next week and we look forward to talking to you next week and then get on uh, Joe Ingles' uh, social media and participate and some opportunities to win some cool, uh, earn a buy, I guess buy or donate money for some cool merchandise and things that they got going on for this Autism Awareness Month, right? It is, yeah. Definitely donating. I am. I can obviously promise everybody I am not taking a cent of it. It's 100% going to uh, to the, the charities and the schools and the, the places that it needs to go. So, um, like I said, I... I also am very aware of the situation the world is in with the pandemic. So, um, yeah, anyone that can can afford to, to throw some, some bids out there would be much appreciated. All right, Joe, thanks. We know you got to go. Appreciate you coming on today, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, that's the Joe Ingles Show. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. We appreciate Joe coming on and joining us, talking about that harrowing experience as far as that goes. I can only imagine the panic. You've ever had some near-death situations where you're thinking, 
uh-oh, this could be it. I don't know that I've ever been in that situation. If you have, let us know, and the top of the hour, we'll get with Craig Bojack, get some more jazz talk. So stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The nine-loss UCLA Bruins. Do you honestly believe they're one of the best four teams in the country, or are you going to get on board with me? They got hot at the right time. No, I will say they have proved they are. Stop Let it. me get this straight. You don't believe a team that has won so many games in a row against good teams is not one of the best teams in the country because of what happened in November. Oh, the other several months of the season. Yes, <laughs> we put too much emphasis on the tournament because it's not about finding the best team. It's about what team gets hot at the right time. That may be one of the most illogical statements oh. I've ever heard. You gotta win games when your season is on the line. And that's what UCLA is doing. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Please let me tell you this segment is brought to you by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on right now, where you can save thousands of dollars on a new roof. And call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. Just heard from Joe Ingles. Big time gut check win for the ball club. Uh, I, I, you know, listening to Joe talk, I've got to appreciate the win even more because that's a great thing. Joe's bringing you inside. Okay, only Joe can do that. We can't do that because Joe was there. We weren't there. We can tell you what people have told us, but Joe was there. And you think about all those things, and these are relatively young guys with not that you would, even if you were older, you'd blow it off and roll with it, but you got young kids and, and Joe who's flown literally around the world 50 times after all the flying he's done, and he says he's never been in that experience, never. And all the flying for all the miles, I would venture to say there's few people that are listening to us or even in the NBA who've flown as many miles as he has going back and forth through Europe and obviously the U.S. to Australia and all that stuff. And to say he's never been in that experience and how he was jittery driving home after they landed, you know, I can imagine what he must have been thinking. And that's all I can do is imagine it. I can't put myself in it. But when you have a harrowing experience, how that shakes your nerves and then uh, to try to concentrate and what you got going on and still the, without Mitchell find a way to win that ball game, that's even more impressive than I realize. Because when I'm watching the game, I'm caught up in the game in the moment, right? I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just literally just watching the game thinking, how can they win this game? It's there for the taking, but they got to do this and that. You know, they got to get a stop. They got to make a bucket, whatever it might be. And I don't have all these outside uh, thoughts going on. And maybe they don't too in the moment. But my guess is that, you know, there's still some residue there. Uh, And maybe in the moment they're caught up too right then and there. But all the stuff that went into it, and that, that that becomes even more impressive than I want to originally give them credit for. You agree? Disagree? Very impressive. Even if it was just a regular situation, the flight would have been fine and Mitchell would have been sick or whatever, and he, and he wasn't available, whatever it might be, any number of reasons, just to go on the flight and have to play them the third time in a short span without your leading scorer. That alone is pretty good. Then you factor in all this other stuff going on and, and a 
appears to we, we get an idea of why Mitchell wasn't on that flight. Uh, Quinn Snyder didn't said he didn't want to comment on personal issues, which obviously we respect. But it's not easy. It's not hard to connect the dots and put two and two together here to see what the situation was. And they still get that win. Nice, very nice. Uh, better, better than I gave him credit for in the moment. All right, Craig Bojack coming up next. But we've got to tell you, man, breaking news. This is legitimate. This is not, as far as I know, it's legitimate anyway. It's all over social media. You may have seen it. But after 33 seasons, Roy Williams is retiring at North Carolina. Uh, we know that he was there at Kansas, and then he went over back to his uh, where he was before with Dean Smith. They had a little issue there after Dean Smith retired. Uh, they did get to the Final Four. Who was his assistant when the Utes played them in the Final Four? Was his assist- Who was that longtime I'm assistant? I'm trying to remember the name. I, I know yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah, so uh, he was there at that time. He was the head coach. Uh, and, and Royce, 30, three titles, 33 seasons, a lot of threes there as a college basketball coach. Obviously, he coached Kansas for 15 years. The only coach in NCAA history to post 400 wins at two different schools. Uh, And he's supposed to make the announcement at a news conference, uh, 2 o'clock our time. Uh, Ranks third all-time Division I coaching wins with 903. Now, they didn't have a good season this past season, right? That was actually miserable. I don't know how much They didn't make the tournament, though. Uh, Yeah, for, for Carolina standards. Yeah, it was not up to their standards. There's yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, we expect them to be competing for everything every year. Uh, but he's stepping down, and that that's a premier job. So, yeah, it's got some pretty good jobs open right now. You got that job. Uh, Oklahoma's open. Texas is still open, right? They haven't fill, they yeah, haven't Texas that is still job, open. So there, there are some pretty big-time jobs in college hoops yeah, that are open. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out there, man. And who gets what job and what they do going forward? I'm interested to uh, be following. And then, of course, then you have the domino effect, because then somebody else is leaving a job position to go take that position and that other position. So it trickles down. We bring up that experience many times over. The Chicago Bulls led to Utah State losing their job. Floyd goes to the Bulls. Stacy goes to Iowa State. Blah blah blah, and away you go. And. Uh, who knows where uh, where these dominoes are going to fall and where they're going to stop. All right, Craig Bojack coming up next. Obviously, we'll hit some more jazz. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Prices are so low that it will blow your mind, Yak. Boom. <laughs> there it is. Boom. The warehouse. Join Gordon and Jake Scott. Joining us right now is Mr. TV himself, Craig Bowlerjack. Good morning, Mr. Bowlerjack. How the heck are you? I am good. How are you guys? We're doing great. DJ is off, and get this. We've been doing this show a long time. As you know, you played a part, I think, in helping me in my career getting this radio thing going on, and I expressed my appreciation to you over the years and 19 years we've been doing this show next week is our anniversary 19 years wow wow i know it's amazing and no breakups uh, i mean that's what's amazing well that we know of 
Well, he tried to punch me once, but I ducked. You ducked. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and since it is uh, April 1st and we like to play pranks, I said uh, earlier, I said, yeah, the reason why DJ, now he's got, the, he's just taking a few days off this week. I said, uh, the reason why he's not here is because he's found another job and the, <laughs> the show's over and we wish him it's nothing over. but the best. Yeah. 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 You're going solo from here on out, man. <laughs> so I said, uh, I started the segment by saying it and I said, it's tough to talk about and I want to talk about the jazz, but I'll pick it up at the end of the segment. The guy, tr- <laughs> guy tweets at me. Uh, totally got me sitting in my car late to a meeting to hear what happened felt sick to my stomach (laughs) you pulled it off yeah yeah and I used to always do try my mother and I we always had a thing where we try to get one another she's gone now so here's to you mom in the great sky wherever you may be I did pull one over got at least one guy uh, that we tricked, and no, DJ will be back, and we'll be resuming our show for years to come, hopefully, if uh, all goes the way we would plan. So we enjoyed Absolutely. doing it. And you know what I fun. realized, too, PK, was that it was, was it 1985-ish when the Sports Illustrated got most of us on the Sid Finch? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I was hook, line, and sinker on that one, man. That one got me like, where is this kid then? What was he firing? Like 105? Was that what the best ball was? ridiculous number, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sid Finch. <laughs> yeah, so uh, to all those who pull April Pruel's pranks, uh, it's a fun day to do it. Don't let them linger too long. I let it go for about uh, 10 minutes. Before and I said I would talk about it at the end of the segment, so I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to carry it over through a commercial break. So have fun with that and go forward. And Jazz having fun now. We had on Joe Ingles, you know, and we weren't there. Normally, you would have been there, but in this season, uh, they're not having you travel because of the pandemic. And normally, you would have been front and center, and you would probably would have been crying, curled up in the fetal position. Also. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> I've been on a few of those flights, PK, where we've had some turbulence that would uh, that did bring tears to my eyes. Uh, I'm just uh, glad the guys uh, are good. Uh, you know, I could hear though in the post game comments last night, and even uh, you know when Quinn talked about it in the pregame last night. You know, this was a traumatic moment, yes. and Jordan Clarkson and Mike. You know, I think it was therapy for them, honestly, to talk about it. I mean, we had the wave hit us a few years ago coming out of Denver. And, you know, it kind of tilts the plane and you feel like the hammer of Thor hits you from all sides. And you just sit there and hold your breath. But, um, you know, last I can't imagine watching, you know, the birds and uh, allegedly, you know, the the reportedly, uh, you know, the fire one of the engines catches and, you know, you start to think about, you know, life, uh, but I'm glad everything happened, uh, you know, positive and the, the pilots did their thing, man. That's what they do. They, uh, they fly the plane first and they talk later and that's what they did. Well, I suspect a movie on this one, like we had with the, uh, Sully who <laughs> dropped that yeah. thing in. So I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that movie with Tom Hanks. So you think uh, Tom Hanks stars in this movie too? I was figuring Danny DeVito as Joe Ingles. That would be mine. <laughs> oh, my. That's a good one. Danny DeVito as Joe Ingles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's a prankster and a jokester. Uh, and I see a sort of resemblance there. 
Danny yeah, and Joe. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> They're both yeah, balding. Just a little size difference, but close. Yeah. Well, yeah, you put them on a stool. People don't realize that Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and Tom Cruise are only like 5'6". So, you know, they, they can make adjustments there. I think they done. could, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it really caught my ear when Joe... Who's saying Joe's probably flown as much as anybody on that team, given his international experience and the and the flights he takes back to right. Australia back and forth. When he says he's never gone through anything like that, like okay, you got my attention, Joe, right. because you've been flying literally around the world so many times, and if you were scared and you've never been through anything like that, then I know it's real. And I don't want to say I blew it off. But I don't think I gave it the attention that it deserved because I wasn't there until Joe describes it. And the way he describes it is like, all right, well, that was, man, you're thinking that thing is literally going down. And that's way scary. So when you look at that, and then he was talking about how they had some time before they left again. So he drove home. And he was talking about how he was still jittery driving home. And obviously, he's thinking about that experience. He's driving home to get to his uh, wife and kids, and you can put yourself into that position. Oh, yeah. And then they got to get back, get on a plane. Donovan decides not to come. They're playing Memphis the third time since Friday. All those things factor in. That was a huge gut check win. It was. You know, I thought a lot about it last night. And again, I'm glad the guys had to, had their moment to discuss it. And I think, again, I said it, I, I felt like it was like therapy for Mike and Clarkson last night, who really, that's all, well, that's what they wanted to talk about, you know, instead of the game itself, because it was so heavy on their mind. But, you know, PK, think about the year that the Jazz have gone through COVID, Oklahoma City, Rudy, Donovan, Bubble. Now this situation on a plane, I mean, you don't think about bonding a team even more and more. I mean, you live through all these things together, and I think this is why this team is such, you know, the definition of that. I mean, they are a team. They grind, they ground it out, was it grinded out, grounded out last night in the grindhouse of what was Memphis, you know, back in the days with the Gasol and even Mike Conley. And I was impressed with the way they just kept their their head down and kept fighting through it. Um, you know, John Moran had a had a game, uh, especially in the second half, and the Jazz were able to hold off and win the thing with you know free throws and clutch play by Mike. And I thought it was again just another one of those classic moments in Jazz this year, Jazz history, where uh, they fought through adversity. And and again, they also PK now know that the depth of this team even more, and the fact Donovan didn't play on this road game, and they they found a way to win you know, without a Donovan Mitchell on the floor, who has been very consistent, as you know, of late. And he wasn't there for fourth quarter heroics as well. And someone else had to step up and they got the job done. Yeah, that's what I was going to lead to. uh, The fact that Bogdanovich early, Conley late, other guys throughout the game contributing. Uh, How much do you think that can pay off? Because we're all looking now, they got the best record. It looks like that they're going to get the number one seed. Still 25 games ago, so stuff could happen. But certainly as of today, it looks like that they're the odds-on favorite to get that one seed. And, you know, expectations come along with the one seed. Let's not uh, yeah, pretend they yeah. don't exist. But to know that, hey, I can do this, and speaking individually, you got four or five guys who say, 
I can do this. So if it, obviously Mitchell can do it, but if it's not working for Mitchell or they're forcing the ball out of his hands, whatever it might be, that they've got options. To me, that's clearly and obviously a good sign for the postseason. Yeah, it really is. It goes really how deep this team is, and I think we've said that from the get-go, that it doesn't have to be one particular guy on a given night. It can be multiple players, and we saw it last night. It was a time for Boyan to actually you know, continue to regain his confidence. What a great start, right? Three threes yeah. to start the yeah. first quarter. Right. Uh, you know, He was at the free-throw line a little bit, then he finished strong. Clarkson's still working things out, but then you know, he gets hot. A little mid-second quarter spurt. Had a couple of key moments in the fourth quarter. You know, Joe had 10 points and, you know, didn't have to play heroics last night. But I think it just shows you that even on the defensive side, you get like a Mieoni who's growing. And I think he'll play, you know, minutes, some some in the playoffs if necessary. Matt Thomas didn't get off the off the bench last night. But still, uh, and Ersan Ilyasova, there's just there's names you keep repeating that the Jazz have picked up just because they want the depth. They may need the depth um, in situations as the season goes on. But, PK, you know, you're right. Are they going to be the number one seed? I think for this team, uh, it's important to have the home floor in a seven-game series. And I still don't think the Lakers and Clippers and Nets, they don't sense they need it. But I think for the Jazz, it's going to be just be another a, a bonus for them to be able to have their home floor, their home team, and the home crowd, I mean, uh, to be there to help them along. Um, so, yeah, if, if they stay healthy and Gobert and Donovan uh, can stay healthy, uh, that's a great thing, and so far so good. But I think, again, last night it showed that the Jazz have the ability to play without one star or so on a given night, and that only bodes well when it comes into the playoffs. Craig Volojack joining us. Speak of the teams in the West. All right, Jazz at the top, and the other challengers, of, we'll see how it plays out when we get there. But I think right now you certainly put the Lakers and Clippers in there. I think you got to put the Nuggets, and you put uh, Portland. Phoenix. In, eh, Phoenix uh, where I was going Are with this question. Uh, to an extent, but I wasn't – where I was going with this question is those teams that I just mentioned – They've all made what they would consider improvements at the trade deadline. Right. Those four, poor, uh, the Suns added Torrey Craig, which was like a week before the trade deadline, and he's actually played well for them coming off the bench. So maybe you can throw that in there. It was just that we don't consider it a trade deadline because it was the week before. But we saw that you know Denver counted on him to an extent. So, yeah, you can put Phoenix in there. And the Jazz made a move around the edges, adding Thomas. I don't know how that's going to play out this season. But what do you think of all those moves that were made? Who do you think that could be better because of them? Well, I think uh, the one that maybe would would you know point a little bit is is the Denver Nuggets with um, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Um, you know, Norman Powell with Portland is intriguing because they, you know, the Blazers always have had firepower with uh, Damian and uh, and CJ, and I just wonder, you know, how that's all going to play out. I feel like there's always been some frustration with the Blazers because getting to that next level has been an ongoing, you know, um, issue, and the Jazz, I think, have gotten past that front porch, you know, attitude that we always talk about. Are you there? Can you get on it? And then take it, you know, 
to, 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 you know, a Western Conference championship and get into another finals opportunity. So, you know, it's tough, man, to make that next step. And I think the Jazz have really, you know, worked their way to that point. Um, Phoenix is intriguing to me just because of Chris Paul and Booker and the backcourt. I mean, they have firepower. But I still think the Jazz overall defensively and offensively, how you rank, you know, so high in the defensive and offensive rankings and the three-point shot now is in vogue for this franchise. Uh, I think it bodes well. I still think the Jazz are the best team in the West. Um, granted, LeBron's not playing at the moment, and we'll see what Anthony Davis's status will be. And, you know, PK, I, you and I haven't really had a chance to talk one-on-one because DJ, you know, is always talking, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure if the chemistry with the Clippers is all that. I, I don't know. I, I want to wait and see see the Clippers a little bit more with Kawhi and Paul George, how intrigued they are to win it. Last year, you remember, Paul George said, look, we really weren't focused on winning a championship then in the bubble. Well, that's why you went to L.A. So I'm not real sure about, you know, just how, how strong – uh, that foundation is in L.A. A lot of teams, of course, in L.A., Boston, New York, that's the destination point, right, for people to find themselves a title. And so we'll wait and see. Uh, what intrigues me about the Jazz is they're built to win in the sense of um, not, th- not only their depth, but because of what they've been through and the attitude they have. I mean, if you want a definition of team, this is it. I mean, I don't know if there's any better definition right now in the NBA. And sometimes people fight that because they want the big threes to win, whether it's West or East or East or West. So this is just an oddity that the Jazz have a bunch of guys who are on the same page, who are talented, by the way, with three all-stars, but yet don't get a lot of attention. But they continue to, to go along their way with attitude and a purpose. And I like that. And I think it's going to play into their hands. I hope it does. We saw for a bit there during that uh, when they were losing four or six, they were getting off to horrendous starts. Right. And I think after that Washington game, uh, basically Joe Ingles called them out. Uh, very strong comments. What do we want to be? Do we want to be a contending for the title? Do we want to get out of the first round? What are we looking to do here? Because if we have these goals, then we got to get going. We can't be losing the way they're losing. And it seems like it's in the past now. They put that behind them. Would you agree? I would, and I think what Joe's comments were also kind of ignited Donovan uh, because I think at that time we saw him, uh, instead of playing the fourth-quarter hero ball where the Jazz were down 17 and would get back PK to within that four-point range but could never quite push past, now we've seen a more consistent Donovan Mitchell, probably the most consistent in his career, in my opinion, where he starts and he has you know the strong start, he has the middle point of his game, and then the fourth quarter – you know, he's just, you know, back-to-back 35-point games against Memphis, you know. And, um, I, I, you know, in 19 in, a, in just a, in a short period of time in a, in a runaway win against the Cavaliers. So, yeah, I think Joe's comments, you know, struck a chord. And sometimes, you know, someone has to step up and voice their opinion on occasion, whether it's Joe, whether it's Donovan, whether it's Quinn Snyder in the course of a season. And I'm glad Joe took it upon himself. Hey, I'd listen to Joe. I mean, you just said it. International player, a guy that found his way into the league. Uh, you know, Doc Rivers wanted to keep him, but had to let him go. Gets a shot with a jazz. And look what he's become. I mean, this is a great story. Another movie, right? Who plays yeah, Joe? Really. 
I mean, you said Danny DeVito, but I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, the Joe Ingles story is intriguing to me because I love the I love a story where odds are against you, but then you turn it into your favor, and then you just take it to another level where you're shooting nearly fifty percent from three. And he's just been a glue guy. I know people overuse that statement, but if you want a guy that you want in your in your in, you know in in the huddle, in the locker room, uh, in the foxhole. I mean, Joe Ingles is one of my first players I'd take, right? One of the first guys, just personality. And you, you, you and DJ know him as well as, as anybody because he's really opened up and, and shown a different side of who he is and the struggles that he's been through. Um, and I like that about Joe. I really do. Craig Bolajak joining us. You hear him as the on the television broadcast, jazz broadcast. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because they do have some games, but – you brought up the Suns. Now, they got the Jazz, I think, in the fourth game of the season. And once you get to their approach in the 50-game point, I think it's the 46-game mark. Uh, the fourth game of the season might as well have been five years ago. So much can happen in an NBA yeah, season. True. Yeah, that's uh, a long yeah, they, time. They got the Suns next week. Uh, ESPN game. Right. And it's down there in Phoenix. I think both of the ball games they got with the Suns are down in Phoenix. Phoenix is an emerging team. And you think that that's a little bit of a big game there when they play the Suns next week? I do. You know, in fact, I'm just I just grabbed my calendar and you know you look at Chicago and Orlando at home. Okay, you know, never take a team for granted. But look, on the odds, those those teams favor the Jazz at home. The Jazz yeah. are favored at home, obviously, uh, and they've won 20 straight on that floor. There's a little bit of that the day of Delta Center with Stockton and Malone, where, where teams did not want to even step step into the into the building I, I kind of feel that same same sense this year pk let me just run this down then you have road games at dallas and phoenix those are pretty telling by the way uh yeah. with what the mavericks can still put at you despite the fact there's been ups and downs uh and then you have the phoenix uh the final game of a little mini two-game road trip you come home and play five straight at home and then here's the real interesting part of it in april is the lakers lakers uh, with one day in between, both games picked up by ESPN. Um, so that one's intriguing. And then the Minnesota-Sacramento, then you end the trip again, PK, as you mentioned, on a, uh, on a, on a Friday night in Phoenix. So there's going to be some telling games. And then the rest of the way, honestly, the Jazz have five more home games in a row and a quick trip to Golden State. You come home to play the Blazers. And then you have OKC and Sacramento. You know, in the past, usually the way the league had the schedule was that those last five or six games were against your highest level of opponent in the West, right? Usually it was the Rockets uh, when Harden uh, was, was with Houston. Or you'd play Oklahoma City with Westbrook. Or you played Denver. But in this case, you really kind of finish, you know, on the road with OKC and Sacramento be interesting to see how those games play out, what the Jazz, where they stand in the standings at that time. And would they rest players? It's pretty much non-Jazz-like to do so, but it'll be interesting to see how they finish things up. But as you said, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. Some challenging games still on the road. And I think the Phoenix games and the Laker games will be telling uh, and, and to, to be tested again since both of, both of those games, all four of those games are away from Salt Lake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun opportunities uh, going forward to really solidify their position. And I think going into the postseason, 
you know, depending on the success in these next 25 games, that, uh, you know, if they finish strong, then you really have got to consider them a legitimate contender to win the whole thing and not just a nice regular season team. If they don't get past the first round, and I really believe that they don't get into the Western Conference Finals, people will just kind of go, him, ha. See, you know, that type of uh, discussion because, again, you have well, – well, who did I hear the other day? I mean, you hear it all the time, right, that to really put yourself in a position to be taken seriously and to be bona fide contenders, then you have to win. Yeah, and granted, you know – pass round one would be a success but the the real key is to get beyond that donovan said it himself look none of this again never again to get knocked down in round one after a 3-1 lead and obviously he's right but now the next step is to um uh, you know quiet any doubters and also to solidify this team as a legit championship title team i mean i like what they do uh the three-point shot is something i didn't really expect pk to be in um at that the Jazz would be so, let's just say, involved, and Quinn would would basically put his mark on this team as saying, go do your thing. You know, we kept saying green light it with Jordan Clarkson. Well, everyone else has followed, and the Jazz don't hesitate putting up the three. And that's what the league has become, and that's who the Jazz really are, with rim play by Gobert and defense. So, again, I like what I see, but there's a lot a – lot Still a lot of games to be played, and the playoffs, as everyone will always say, Big T's mention it, you know, uh, Matt Harpree mentions it, everyone mentions it, that when the playoffs come, it's a totally different game. And so yeah. that's where the test really comes. How, how savvy are they? How determined are they? And can they push past, you know, the likes of the Lakers and the Clippers who have been there before? This is a little new territory. But I think the Jazz have learned so much in a year's time, and I think they've gone through more than most teams have in the sense of, of uh, the mental part of this, PK. And, I, I, and it still takes me back to Oklahoma City and to be there and to watch what they went through and the controversy that never really occurred with uh, you know Rudy and Donovan, uh, this plane trip just a few days ago. I mean, the Jazz just keep you know, experiencing things together. And I only think it bonds them tighter. And let's see how it plays out. But I, I, I like what they're doing. And I think they are on the same page to, to maybe shock the world. And how fun would that be? I know you'd be driving the bus. I would be, too, from Salt Lake to, <laughs> to Panguitch to Vernal to St. George and back. It would be an incredible moment in jazz history. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Thanks for joining us this morning. All right, PK. Thanks, pal. All right, that's Craig Bolajack here every Thursday morning as we talk about what's going on in Jazz World. And things are good right now in Jazz World. You got the Bulls tomorrow and the Magic on Saturday, both home games. Stay with us. We'll get you caught up on what you may have missed and some big time news in the world of college basketball. 975, 1280 the zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2021, we're going to get back to some normalcy. And I definitely think that whoever's going to be at the, in the end of the season and when they get there to the postseason, they're supposed to be there. And that individual is hitting 30 home runs and 100 RBIs that didn't hit, get 30 hits last year. They're supposed to hit 30 and 100. We're going to get back to some normalcy in 2021. That's Tory Hunter talking about what he hopes to get some normalcy for baseball for 2021. Today is opening day, but we will not see the Mets and the Nationals. That game has been postponed due to COVID-19 issues, Commissioner Rob Manfred said. Now they built in the schedule, so they're going to push it back a day. So we'll see about that getting underway Friday. Uh, the safe and safety and protocols and all that stuff. ESPN can't be happy about that, though. You're telling me what uh, that was going to be uh, so, prime time? Yeah, ESPN's doing a quadruple header for opening day today, and kind of the showpiece was supposed to be Jacob deGrom against Max Scherzer in prime time was the Mets and the Nationals oh, went head-to-head. that would be a big game, huh, with those guys. So we'll see what ESPN, if they decide to move, maybe move another game into that slot or how they pivot in terms of their programming. Yeah, baseball gets underway on ESPN at 11 o'clock this morning. Just about 90 minutes. Yep, Yankees, Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. at the Yankees. And then Braves, Phillies, uh, one of those games. Oh, then, of course, Dodgers and Rockies. Dodgers at Rockies. I don't know what the weather is in Denver. It better be good because they could have easily been playing at Dodger Stadium. And that's the game that follows the Yankees and Blue Jays at uh, 2 o'clock right around in there somewhere. And then that game you referred to would have been uh, right around 5-10 our time tonight, the Mets and Nationals, but that's off. Uh, and Orioles-Red Sox has been postponed too. Is that weather or is that COVID? That's the first I'm seeing of that one. I'm going to assume that one's probably weather. but Well, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Oh, okay. And it says postponed uh, that game. I know they've been having some snow back uh, back east, which uh, they normally get. At uh, this time of year, sometimes it's uh, it's crazy uh, to see that snow, but you get that. Uh, I'll be surprised, Boston. I mean, that's about five hours away from from New York City. Per Boston Red Sox, their Twitter feed says the Red Sox Orioles game scheduled for Thursday, April first, has been postponed. The forecast calls for periods of rain throughout the day, and it's been rescheduled to tomorrow. Yeah, they're having rain right now. Rain in the forties. Tomorrow should be a high of forty-five. They're saying so. That that's baseball weather. Oh, you, no doubt. That's exactly why you want to go to the ballpark right there. 45 degrees. Let's go. <laughs> the weather back there just truly is awful. Uh, this just is so bad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I don't live there anymore in that way. The weather can be super nasty. So that's baseball opening day. Excited to, to claim opening day. Some news out of college basketball, which I think is just huge. Uh, Roy Williams, 33 seasons in college basketball, two prominent programs, Kansas and North Carolina. He has announced his retirement. And I do not believe that's an April Fool's joke. Nope, it's come out from the university itself. Yeah. So, and he's supposed to have a press conference uh, today around 2 o'clock our time. Yeah, Carolina basketball has tweeted it out. uh, After 33 years, our beloved Tar Heel Roy Williams is announcing his retirement. He's 70 years old, so uh, why not? <laughs> the time is uh, now, uh, I guess, 43, 48 years of coaching, uh, a legendary career for sure. You still have a couple guys in their 70s who are coaching. 
uh, Bayheim and uh, Shashevsky. They're well, still going. Leonard Hamilton down at Florida State's also in his 70s. I uh, wonder uh, if they could hang it up. Uh, I guess it's an individual decision. And if you got your health and your passion, go ahead. Normally in those situations, though, they don't end well. Now, the longer they linger, the worse it gets. And we know Duke, uh, what, did they finish above 500? Were they below 500 this season? Oh, I'm not even sure they were over 500. I think yeah. they were below. So they had guys leaving their program, and, and you wonder how that's going to end. Certainly he was a legend at Duke and uh, is a legend and built that program. But you wonder, will that program flounder as he gets older and players don't want to play for them, wondering is he going to be there all four years? Now, a lot of players that Duke recruits, they're not going to be there all four years. So what difference does it matter? I guess we'll have to see how all that plays out, obviously, uh, for them. But there's some prominent openings now in college basketball with obviously North Carolina leading the way. And you got Texas and Oklahoma. And let's not forget Utah State. Utah State's job is open since Craig Smith came down and took the Utah job, right? Uh, we'll see. I don't know if there's any other openings in the Pac-12 that I'm uh, aware of right now. None currently. Uh, Sean Miller still continues to hang on. And good for him, I guess. He's been able to avoid. So I don't think they want to buy him out, and he's got uh, another year or so to go. Have we mentioned Chris Beard yet this morning? Uh, Texas Tech, what about him? Is he... He is going yeah. to coach the Texas Longhorns, so he's moving just... That has been announced? Uh, it's all over Twitter right now. Jeff Goodman and others saying that he is going to Texas. Really? Yep, going to upgrade from Lubbock to Austin. Well, he did phenomenal work there at Texas Tech, got him all the way to the final, right? He did, and beat Utah State just this past NCAA tournament. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, certainly. He was the guy who was the... Um, UNLV coach for a few days. <laughs> All of 15 minutes? Yeah. So they hired him, and then he's from Texas Tech, and that was his big pull. So he just, I mean, the way they do this thing, you know, so he, he never literally coached a game at Texas or at UNLV, but he gets a job, but then the Texas Tech com- job comes open, and that's where he's from, and, you know, you get to go home, blah, 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 blah. Well, all right, well, that was your reason then. Well, that sentimentality lasted uh, not very long because now he's going to go to Austin. This uh, brother. Uh, <laughs> it's just fine. Do it. Do it. Do it fine. Now, I'm reading something on Twitter here. It says, uh, one factor, this is for Jason King. I don't know who Jason King is. A uh, longtime sports writer. Uh, they list him out of Texas. And he says, one factor I've heard was Texas Tech's contract with Under Armour. Beard felt it hurt him in recruiting. Now, to the casual fan, what the heck is that? How can recruit your shoe deal and your apparel deal with Under Armour, how can that hurt him in recruiting? Well, I can interject here with the AAU squads out there. By and large, they're sponsored by shoe companies, and these yes. these young athletes get attached to, let's say it's a Nike or a Puma or an Adidas yep. or Under Armour, yep. and when they go to college, it's actually a bigger factor in college basketball than most might realize. I know. That's why I wanted to discuss that, because I don't think that they realize that. The Utes are an Under Armour school, are they not? They are. Under Armour, I think, flagship school, funny enough. Protects this house? <laughs> protect this house. I remember Kyle Whittingham saying that. i got to find that drop somewhere. 
Yeah, he was. We were. He was doing one of his uh, media interviews out on the field after the game, uh, or after practice, I should say. And I had on an Under Armour thing, and he said, "Oh, you got Under Armour?" I said, "Absolutely. Protect this practice field." <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm getting word that uh, Texas Tech kids want Nike. And so Under Armour becomes an issue because Matt Wells is saying the same thing. Kids want Nike. And can you believe that BS? No. PK, you know me. I'm a Nike-aholic. I'm, so. I know, but I mean, it, who would have thought that that factors in to recruiting? Think Not, Uncle Phil and the University of Oregon. Yeah, I know. And, and you wonder why Oregon is good in basketball, good in football, good in women's uh, checkers, and it's it's ridiculous, man. Can we finally, every one of us, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, be on the same page and root against Oregon? Yes, we can for this very reason. I think that's possible. Uh, Yeah, give me a break on this. Shoe companies and apparel makes a difference in recruiting. Holy freak. And you don't want to go to Texas Tech because they're under armor. What's wrong with under armor? What difference does it make, man? Just drives me, uh, just drives me nuts. Uh, so that's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true down there at Texas Tech, but that that's uh, that was just uh, sort of a rumor out there. But it's not just it's the thing about it is that's not unique to Texas Tech because it's already out there, and it's it's unique to it's not unique to anybody. It's already been out there for years and years that these things matter, particularly in college basketball. It's crazy to think it's true. Jazz with a very nice win yesterday. you got to give them credit for all they went through. I didn't understand it as much. Go listen to the Joe Ingles interview if you haven't heard. He explains it in depth because obviously he was there sitting in the front row and experiencing what they went through in the plane crash and all the emotions therein. And after I listened to him explain it, I came to a greater appreciation. If you haven't heard it, go take the opportunity to hear it because it gives you a real big insight as to what they went through. So, Plus, Joe Ingles has got his autism awareness this month, and he's going to have all items up for bid on auction on his Twitter and his uh, Instagram, and it'll link you to a website. And all the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, are going to help families with the high cost of trying to have therapy and whatnot and all the things that go in for autism. So participate in that. They'll have some cool stuff for sure for you to bid on. All right, stay with us. We'll close up the show next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, April 1st. We started off the 7.30 segment by saying that the DJ and PK show has come to an end, that DJ, who hasn't been with us this week, has decided to take another job. And then we moved on to the Jazz, and then I came back to saying it was April Fool's. And some people bought it. I hope you enjoyed our little April Fool's joke. Have you pulled any April Fool's pranks? And we got one guy who said, well, I bought it, totally got me, that he sat in his car and was late to a meeting because I said I would explain it at the end of the segment. He said he felt sick to his stomach. Well, his stomach should rejoice now because we're going to stay on. DJ's just taking a few days off. He will be back on Monday, and we will resume the show, and I will move to the back of the bus and do what he says, and that's uh, just enjoy doing spit wads. 
and going from there. And we'll be back in our regular roles on Monday. Yacht, you've got another one I asked for pranks, and you've got one. Yeah, Blake Vandersteck sent this in and said, I put my then-girlfriend's really nice Jeep up on KSL for really, really cheap. She got so many calls during her classes that she was in, she had to walk out, and then it also froze her phone, but she still married me later. Wow, I wonder if she found that funny. Um, Having been a guy who my wife at the time did own a Jeep, had I done that to her, I can guarantee she would not have been as forgiving as apparently Blake's now wife is. Yeah, you don't want to make your April Fool's jokes be uh, annoying. It should just be a little fun thing. You don't want to make it be an inconvenience and they have to go through answering phone calls and ads and wondering what the heck's going on. I'm not sure I like that as an idea. I might have to retreat off that stance. Uh, I'm all for little harmless pranks. Like I thought the one on DJ, I didn't think anybody would buy it, actually. But uh, people did, I guess, that DJ and I would not be doing the show together. Uh, I thought that uh, they would uh, understand why in the world would we not be doing the show together. I mean, this is such a sweet gig, and we've been going on for this long. If you can tolerate me this long, what's a few more years, right? (laughs) Almost two decades (laughs) at this point. You might as well just keep going. Yeah, yeah, ride it out. Uh, See how long it can go. Can we get... So then the next year, obviously, it'd be 20. That would be a nice round number. Can we get to 25? Can we get to 30? Eh, probably not 30, but can we get to 25? Yeah, why not? Uh, that's a good thing. The thing about this is that with the start of the seasons, everything is fresh. It never gets stale. You know, that's jazz true. game last night was a fresh storyline. We never thought that we would be talking about, well, they all, several of the players, all the players apparently felt they were going to die on a plane crash. Uh, you know, with the birds hitting them and seeing the engine and the fire and all that stuff. They never thought that that – so that's a story. And then they got to go play without Mitchell. That's a story. So there's it's constant – it's a never-ending storyline that just pops up. It goes to what you, you know? say, PK, all the time. Sports reinvent themselves for us. Yeah. They, they constantly do new seasons. And before long, it'll be the postseason, and we'll be going nuts on that. And then that'll lead into college football, high, huge expectations for everybody with Utah State, with a new coach, see what Blake Anderson can do. And then BYU, can they follow it up? Can they prove last year wasn't just a product of uh, scheduling down, that they really got a program that's made strides in Kalani's, what would that be, his sixth year? And then, of course, Utah, man. How good can they be? Looks like they're set up for another, at least another two-year run. Uh, two, three-year run of, of winning uh, nine, ten ball games, and can they go to 10, 11, 12 ball games? Can they finally get it done? And I, and I shouldn't say finally because I don't think it's been that long, but they've had a couple of chances in the conference title game. Can they get over the hump as far as that goes and get in the Rose Bowl? I mean, that's it's, it's always fresh. That's the great thing about this. It's fresh. It never gets stale. There's always new stuff, and for me – uh, I, I even after all these years, it still gets me excited. I mean, last night in the middle of that, uh, uh, watching that ball game, can they pull it out? And can they pull it out without Mitchell? So it adds a little extra juice to it, a little, little more luster without their best player offensively not in the lineup. Can they find a way to get it done? Well, the answer was yes. And then you find out all the stuff that they went through. It even adds to it. 
you know, and now they've got uh, the Bulls and beating crappy teams. There's something to be said for that, drilling crappy teams. And they got a couple of teams that uh, aren't very good, and the Bulls in Orlando this weekend. So that adds to it. Yeah, it never ends, man. It's always good, and then you can screw off from time to time and have even more fun. For me, it's the perfect job. It's the job that I'm most suited for. I wanted to play third base for the Dodgers as a kid growing up, but uh, once I got to about uh, 14, 15, I realized, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. It's not even going to come close to happen. What can I do to still stay in sports? And I pulled it off. I pulled it off. Thanks a lot to our listeners. Okay, there you go. We appreciate all your feedback. Oh, we were talking also, too, about, uh, you know, with baseball being opening day, what is uh, your favorite team? A lot of people insist the Broncos are the football team in this market. I have my doubts. Uh, a guy tweeted at me, said it's Braves, that he grew up watching T, was it uh, TBS? Is that what it was? And the Braves the were Superstation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he became a Braves fan through that. I can buy that. Uh, they were on growing up. Yeah. Um, I'm probably a little older, but uh, for me, yeah. Because all you had in those days, in the 80s, you know, the game of the week or whatnot. But then you got the Braves games and that superstation, and they were on. Yeah, I watched tons of Braves baseball. That's where I got my first introduction to Dale Murphy. Watched him big time in the 80s. And he was a great, great player, two-time MVP. I was all over that. I'd watch the Braves. Braves would come on around uh, 4 or 5 o'clock, and then around 11 o'clock in the morning was the Cubs. Because in the Cubs and WGN, they did that. And I'd watch, I became a Cubs fan that way. I can remember a lot of working, uh, watching with my mother. Uh, We were both home in the day. She worked swing shift, and especially in Arizona when it was hot, we'd watch Cubs baseball. Then I got the job at Casa Grande, my first newspaper job. I basically worked 7 to 11, both a.m. and p.m., the way that is funky. Talk about paying dues. Uh, Yeah, I didn't get to stay in a market and then just take over a premier uh, radio station and get myself a sports radio job. It didn't work that way for me anyway. For those who did, good for them. Uh, But for me, I worked 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., went home, and then had to be back and work 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., and did that uh, five days a week. Well, I'd get home at 11 o'clock in the summer. I'd turn on WGN and watch the Cubs. So, yeah, I can see where those uh, teams, uh, people latched onto them. All right, join us next. Scotty and Hans coming up. Stay with us here, and I'll be back tomorrow, finish out the week. And thanks for joining us, Listen to us all day. We really appreciate it. 97.5, 1280, The Zone.